Hello and welcome to Spotlight here on Grapple. I almost said Indy Corner, that shit. Hello, I'm Venom. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. Also, it's Indy with an IE. How are we, lads? I'm not starting <laughs> I've never done I'm that. I'm JP, just to stick to the routine. And I'm Joe. That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, mate. What do you think of Red Pro at the weekend? The good morning. <laughs> oh, amazing, as always. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, on a weekend the as thing well. about that cunt. <laughs> I, think, I think we're the Rev Joe now, aren't we, JP? We love a bit of a bit of Rev Pro. I think so. Yeah, well, you, yeah, in, in particular, you're, mate, you're a season ticket holder at this point. <laughs> we down at the you, cockpit, mate, when they uh, when they open it back up again. There every week. You still haven't been to the cockpit, which is still Never mental in my life. to me. Well, they got crazy. a best bar, then they got a fucking your call, mate. So we're going to talk oh, about yeah. that later. The working class Budokan, that place. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, do you want to do your uh, your rant about the York Hall bar right now, JP, or do you want to wait till uh, later? I, I will wait till we talk high stakes when we talk the venue. <laughs> I'm still hating from it, mate. I'm still hating from it. It was great. It was like, oh, made, made up to be back, back at live wrestling again. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's at York Hall. Yeah. It is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an, it's an, it's a shocking issue. Although I think we'd be bearing the lead if we led this show off really talking about Rev Pro, really, wouldn't we? Or, or <laughs> as much want, as anything else. No, I, I like it makes me angry thinking about that bar. That venue makes me angry. Other than the fact it looks kind of lovely and it could look lovelier, put mm. the hard cam above the fucking entrance. But like it, it's something that really does get to me. That bar. It's it's the lit the amount the little amount of care they mm. take. And the beer. You can't pour... Lad, couldn't pour a fucking bottle of Budweiser into a plastic cup. I was watching this, and I was thinking, I'm just tempted to grab it and say, hold it at a fucking angle. So Three bad. days. Like, it took that cunt to pour that. It was, it, And that wasn't for me. That was for someone else. I was having the Guinness, which... It wasn't great, but I was like, fine. As long as I'm out of this fucking horrible experience. Yeah, I have, ran, the, I've, I've led you with started. the Red Pro bar. <laughs> they, they, ran, they, they ran out of beer. Within half an hour? Like, I got to the bottom. Literally, it had been half an hour since the show had started, and there was no draft beer left. Like, the fact that the trees... The, it's like, on your way in, honest to God, Gareth, it was like being in American high school, like, proper metal detectors, like, checking your arsehole yeah. for drugs and shit. Like, it was fucking, like, heavy going, as it always is. Still in fine mind, the fuckers. Always one step ahead. I was going to say, where did you have yours, <laughs> Did this not happen to anyone else? No, there's yeah. fucking 400 other fuckers as usual, spending half the time getting mad at people for standing in the wrong spaces or allegedly yeah. blocking the walkways. They direct you to this fucking bar. And, like, at the bar... The thing about the bar is they split you into two different queues still, which is still fucking dumb as fuck. It used to be cash and card, didn't it? But it's not anymore. And then the second queue, it's like choose your own adventure. I went down the second queue, thought this will be quicker. It looks shorter. Got there. That then split into three more queues. So I was like, okay, I've got to pick. I'll go with the first one. Went in the first one. Finally got to the front. And I was made up because the guy who'd been in front of me the entire way had taken the second queue. And I was just about to beat him to get served. And then I felt terrible for the fella because they realised in the middle queue there was literally no one serving at that point in the bar. And like the person in the front was like... That's why I hadn't moved at any point. It was like, sorry, you, you are serving here, aren't you? And the girl's like, oh, no, no. You're all going to have to rejoin the back of the queue. So everybody in the middle turned around, walked back, and went back to the queue oh. and joined the very, very back. And then I kid you not, I got served 
obviously not draft because they didn't have any fucking draft and I had to make two with bottles of utter shite and literally as I was about to leave with beers in my hand I got in the JPA drink I got in Dom a drink as well Walk, walking away and I turned around and literally the, the security were fuddling more people to the invisible middle queue that didn't exist <laughs> just like that's your call that is your call in a nutshell yeah by the way about three times as many bouncers and security as there is bar staff mm. like yeah. as well no, that's not even an exaggeration. There were so many. Rid- they want to treat it like boxing when they let you in, but they also, for some reason, just assume ah, the wrestling fans, the nerds, they won't drink beer, so they have no management of the uh, the beer system. Three sixty for a coke, Matthew it, says here as well. This is the headline. It, it has, it has the capacity. And the thing is, as well, all of this is beyond Rev Pro's control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've no say in it. They don't have anything to do with the bar there. And it's always awful. Mm. And the beer selection you mentioned, Dark Fruits was there. Mm. As I didn't drink it. They'd, they'd canned Guinness. And I thought that's as good as it's ever going to get in this place. It's about 550 for that. 360 for a Oak, Matt was saying. Fucking hell. It's, it, it's an abomination. It really is. It just sounds like a good it's idea. Great. I'm going to go to the wrestling at your hall. No. <laughs> Enjoy, enjoyed yourself then, lads. <laughs> Show is good. Well, the second half. <laughs> Show's good. And at least if you were like in a round with people, you're like, right, I go once, the pain of it. And I, the match I missed went on, was 21 minutes I was in that queue. Did a good job. Which is, a, which is abysmal, isn't it? 20, because it, I went to at the start of Mark, Mark Haskins versus Yota Suji, and it just ended when I got the drink. <laughs> uh, I was like, well, this is fucking dragging. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, while we were doing that, you didn't go to catch in the end of Chicago. What were you doing this weekend celebrating your anniversary? No, that was on that was on Tuesday. It was I, I was looking and I was it was like uh, drive to Manchester, twenty quid, pay on the door, or it was Valencia Real Madrid, which looked like it was going to be a tasty game. So I was like, yeah, I'll stay home and watch that. Can't be a, can't be asked to drive in a, <laughs> driving to Manchester and back, not having a drink, and then. Paying uh, paying twenty quid to, uh, to to watch that, so decided to give it a miss on this this occasion. I uh, thought I'll save my money for a title this weekend. Managed mm-hmm. to get the uh, managed to get a pass to be over title for the day on uh, on Saturday. So look forward to meeting up with Andy and Jeff and going to two shows there because that looks pretty cool. It looks it's in like Leeds City Museum, so it looks like a. I've been like looking at the pictures of it. Just looks like a real like distinct odd little venue kind of thing for wrestling so um yeah i'll uh, i'll go with that one instead and it was a fucking good game the real madrid valencia game as well so i made the right decision <laughs> it's that <same. laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't think we can talk about that. actually when we talk about the show later we will the red pro show was uh, was in fact yeah. good um and it was yeah. and it was still nice to see everyone like say and i said in that in our pre-show Lovely. there it was great to uh to see a lot of patrons about and uh and listeners to the podcast and stuff as well nice to be out the house wasn't it jp me and you had a nice little um burger date a couple of beers yeah we did yeah and a, and a lovely burger burger date few pints in in the pub it was good meeting up with everyone it was really it was just really nice mm. like kind of being sociable in that way mm. and amazingly i was home for like 20 to 11 so yeah. like i made it in really good fucking time like everything just fell in with the coach arriving on time i was like yeah this will do mm. so like that was that wasn't even kind of like feeling a bit ropey the next day so i'll take that Mm. from a show generally but it was it was a good show mm. and they are really at this point like they're certainly defending indie wrestling i'd like to make that clear <laughs> with an like, ie or a if, if anything else <laughs> with an ie it was always an ie wasn't it <laughs> could we like, admit it now? music 
<laughs> oh, we can admit it now. It's not in, it's not Indiana I, Jones, therefore it's an ironing. Sorry to anyone in the bedding area who might be offended. <laughs> any thoughts on that? Mention that in the pre- uh, don't use any, excited to go to Wales? And don't use any insider inside terms either. <laughs> yes, boss. <laughs> Uh, so yeah are we all meeting up at the uh, Defend Indie Wrestling Celebration Summit 10 years of uh, indie wrestling being rightfully defended we're not all going now 10 years of (laughs) t-shirts I think it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's really what it is it's a strange venue as well because it's that really tiny run down venue that attack would run that would fit in like that something like that yeah community center Mm. i'm sure we watched the back in the day for the for the grapple completists um if you if you go through the spotlight archives the Mm. uh was it the chris travis tag team invitational tournament that we reviewed in extensive detail benno somewhere about five years ago at this point that was held in the catties community center because it has a big bing like battered bingo board in Mm. the background that's how i remember it Told you a bit yeah, uh, yeah, it is alive and well. Is is what it is. Mm. Fuck's sakes, it's <laughs> awful. But anyway, enough of it. I don't know shit they do around Oxbridge. <laughs> <laughs> we said we were going to get right into it uh, because we've got a lot yes. to, to talk about today. We won't even do too many Patreon plugs. There's patreoncom slash grapple We did a film club this weekend on. They live. It was fun. Um, I don't know. We got anything else to plug on that side. That kind of that sums it up, doesn't it? Too? Oh, me versus the beach parks it's, up on the free feed. Listen to that if you yes. want. Yes, that kind of sums it up. That's it? great. It's a good time though. Oh, it's great. If you haven't listened to that, definitely get get on board. It's really it, it's absolutely fantastic. And I'm looking forward to the next one of those that you do. Mm. I think other than that, on the Patreon stuff, weekend mm. updates we'll mm. have coming up. I think we're planning mixtape, possible flashback. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Is, is get those sorted out but yeah and if you want to hear the explanation between where Gareth got his, uh, got his tattoo his latest tattoo you can hear that on the uh, the latest They Live Film Club which was a good time and how much my wife likes it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that running by Grapple Zero or something <laughs> bigger fan of Nile Ranger <laughs> little reference there uh, amazing uh, but yes we have got as we are recording uh, this week it is a, a late spotlight this week we did uh, uh, due to uh, like I say me uh, on Mark Journal duty on uh, on Monday at the WWE house show and uh, Garrett's uh, anniversary on Tuesday we decided we'd wait for uh, for Arthur Ashe rather than uh, record on a Wednesday or do something silly by that and we've also um, had through today uh, numbers from the uh, the Arthur Ashe show uh, last night as well where, where do you want to start viewership the show um I've got to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed by that viewership. I don't know about you, Gareth, uh, but yes, still uh, still buzzing from that late night last night, and I think we're all uh, still feeling it uh, quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say that was it because it's just been so. It's been like buzzing all day, really, hasn't it? Like from watching the show, that's just been buzz, like massive buzz, just following like Twitter all day, and everyone's just like just seeing all these like joyous people, just like so happy about like that, you know, that match and just the show in general itself and things like that, and then. Kind of feel like the uh, bubble's been burst a bit, really. <laughs> seeing that, um, seeing that rating number just before we came on, uh, mm. came on area tonight because I don't know you were, you know, as things were sort of like progressing over the course of the day, you were reading things there where people were like, oh, you know, maybe it could beat Raw overall, you know, total number and things like that, and you're starting to kind of run away and get excited within your head. But then, actually, uh, it was a bit like, well, you know, it's one of those, you, you know, if you treat it in treat it in isolation and you like look at it in comparison with other AEW stuff and things like that 
it's still a fucking good number and it's still like good ratings, but you are, you know, you're, you're in the territory now where when you've been beaten raw for a couple of weeks in the demos and then you're putting on a show that's had this amount of buzz in that arena and with that match and, you know, ultimately that quality of match kind of thing, you're probably expecting a little bit more really. So I don't know. It's just, um, it hasn't left a, too, uh, too much of a, a damp squib at the end of the day kind of thing, but it's uh, it's definitely not what I was open for. I think I was I was probably open for it to be at least one point five or above. Um, but again, maybe this is just me and me getting my expectations all out of kilter. Maybe I think Brian Danielson's um, and CM Punk are bigger stars than they are. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see the quarter hours. I mean, I mean, for people who haven't seen it, the uh, the overall is uh, AW Dynamite was watched by one point two seven three million viewers uh, on average, with uh, six hundred twenty seven thousand. In 1849, that was a 0.48 demo rating, which was just one point lower than Raw. And when I saw that Raw rating earlier in the week, I was like, damn it, they've done well, like, or at least well by their yeah. shitty standards these days. I was like, ah, yeah. they're probably not going to beat the fuckers. Um, and yeah, if we count the uh, the AW wins as wins these last few weeks, I can't call this one a tie either. They have won by uh, by that single single uh, demo point, but I reckon JP, yeah, when we get to um, the weekend, mm. uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what the uh, the, the quarter hours are and what the what the trend is, I suppose, because it was an interestingly structured show. We kind of started started very, very hot and went and went down from there. I wonder if that's going to be reflected in the viewership, or is it going to be steady right through the show? Is there something to be said for you know trying to hold people to wait for that big segment? I'm sure they did monkey ball with these numbers and uh, and went with this this strategy. But yeah, I think I'm with Gareth in that it is at least you know, slightly disappointing if uh, if like uh, like me and Gareth, you treat these numbers like it is, like it is a football score at the minute. <laughs> yeah, I think when I first read it on there, it's like, okay, it feels like a bit of a reality check for us all. Mm. Like it really is. It's like a bit of a, okay, this is what you can do when you've got pretty much hardcore wrestling fans who are really engaged with the product. This is the kind of number that you can do, but it hasn't connected to that kind of wider market mm. at this point. And, but I'm also of the opinion that these things, I, and I've banged the drum about this. It's all about trend lines and where it's going and where it goes next. And if you're looking at it, like you're talking 20,000 people mm-hmm. in a stadium and you've got 1.28 million watching it, how many is going to be on DVR? I know Raw has the competition of NFL. Well, weirdly, Dynamite actually had some competition for once on cable because I think it was like Masked Singer or something, some mm. cable finale stuff like that. Yeah. We never get to see the plus seven day stuff. And this isn't like, but I, I would agree generally, I thought this was, I thought about 1.4 mm. personally. I thought that's what he could end up doing. So it has to be considered somewhat of a disappointment comparatively. They have had these before. I would say that what we're not seeing, like I'm fascinated by the strategy of what they did because it's a really ballsy move opening with that seeing what it does and in closing with Britt Baker. And they're the quarter hours I'm kind of most fascinated in. And so, and the Derby Allen one, is it going to be very much that kind of, it started there and, and sort of trended down, which most dynamites don't do. They tend to kind of go along in a pretty stable line with sort of very relatively small peaks and troughs. Mm. So it feels like he's always got that core audience and they maintain them. But if this state opened up to 1.5 and then fell down to kind of like 1.2, it's like, well, how far did it fall? Because uh, as we're going to talk about, I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good show mm. in places, like obviously great in in one place, but like in other parts of it, it was somewhat lackluster. And it's it's whether or not, like, it's going to sound really weird. 
was there too much wrestling on the show? Mm. No? All right. It is one of them. It did feel like a pay-per-view, didn't it, really? Mm. The, where it was like match to match to match. Kind of, obviously, you had the punk thing, but like, you know, as I was watching it, it just, it just had that kind of like, you know, that pay-per-view feel of next match. It did feel slightly different to a normal Dynamite on, mm. on that basis. And, you know, the pace of the show and things like that was a bit different. But then to some way though, that should have been something that made it feel a bit more special and feel a bit, mm. you know, more different and high profile and, 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 and that side of things as well, really. So, um, again, I think maybe that probably sort of, I don't know, lends itself to a little bit of the disappointment to me that it did feel a big deal and it did feel in the build up to it in the week that it was something that there was a lot of talk about and you were hearing a lot about how much, you know, you know, noise they were making in the local markets and things like that as well and you were thinking oh this kind of you know hopefully this should translate to a you know and an amplify to a broader audience and things like that and i know they had competition with it been like you know first night of some new shows and things like that but mm. sleepers i mean to me i also I, I i always look at it and i always think like you know if that was wwe saying it We'd be going like, oh, making excuses and da da and you'd be saying if your show is good enough, people will watch it, kind of thing. And that the show was, you know, it felt like on paper it should have been good enough to, you know, to to do a bigger number than that. But um, but yeah, clearly, uh, you know, clearly that many people weren't invested in, uh, in in watching it live as we probably predicted and, and, and assumed there would be. But mm-hmm. um, but. Big picture stuff, like you say, JP. Trends moving in the right direction. It's still a big number. I think this is. I raised this though. Whether it was it last week or the week before, though, I think that's that's the one for me. Is how do they make that next jump? How do they go from this territory that they're knocking about in now to, you know, the territory of getting up where if they're consistently running at this level, how do they consistently get up to be like a one point six or one point seven, one point eight? You know, what is it that's gonna you know push them in that direction? Because if it's if it's not names like CM Punk and Brian Danielson, then um, I don't know. Not you know, not sure what it's gonna be. <laughs> you know, it's short of mm. like I say, an absolute tippy top. You know, Austin Rock Cena. <laughs> you know, above that kind of thing. Because um, yeah, and, uh, otherwise we maybe just need to temper our kind of excitements and expectations and kind of accept that as much as we want them to be raw and we want them to be up there beating WWE numbers, we maybe just have to accept, you know what, in reality, the reality of this is that the legacy is there to, to such an extent that we are talking late 2022, we are talking 2023, if they maintain this momentum and mm-hmm. maintain this uplift to get there, I don't know, maybe maybe we're all been a little bit burned by our desperation and and you know, to, to beat Raw quickly and our excitement about, you know, Robin in the mud and all that kind of thing, you know, maybe maybe if we just take a step back and go, you know what, this is a company that's as old as it is and this is the, you know, the gate that they're drawing to a live event in New York City and this is the numbers that they're drawing after two years on, on, on TV. Actually, we should be treating it on its own. It's really rather than necessarily, yeah. you know, comparing it to Raw as, as rapidly as we, as we want to. And as fun as it is to do, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, but like, I think it's just all. I think that there's a lot of factors there. It's you know, I think what we found is that you know, no matter how big a star someone is, Brian or Punk, and um, particularly Brian, you know, they'll clearly make a difference. You know, in the in the trend as far as like overall viewership goes. But old habits die hard, and particularly old habits, because as is rightly been pointed over by uh, by James in the chat, there, the majority of the uh, the raw audience that makes that number so big 
is the, the geriatric end of the audience who are less likely to you know to uh, to change their habits and change plans and you know i think that there probably is no quick okay do this bring this person mm. in and then all of a sudden you know the whole thing changes like, like you're right to say gareth i think yeah though you know if, if they keep put in shows on of this quality on keep drawing you know twenty thousand people to a to a show like this in new york and keep putting these high level shows on then it's gonna be you know yeah 2022 and and onwards where you know i think i think that if the pattern continues as it is we should expect you know that those those gains to happen you know at that later point and that's when it matters because mm. the renewals up for like the end of 22 into 23 mm. is that right yeah. So, like, they're going to be getting that into negotiations for that mm. rel- at some point relatively soon because you're going to mm. want to tie that up because that's, like, now a key component of what TNT do. Mm. To give you a case in point, the story about Dynamite moving to TBS but Rampage staying on TNT, that's in, like, variety. Mm. That's, like, you know, it's in reputable trade progress, uh, trade magazines within television and entertainment because it's seen as, a as like, a viable entertainment um, product for it mm. i also think as well we're talking probably less than two months ago they were averaging around a million mm. which i know obviously they've got punk and they've got brian in as well and that's going to cause the jump but again if we're talking about the trend lines they're going up i think the thing that we haven't got perhaps and this is the thing or that hopefully we're going to really start getting to and it feels like after this show they're going to be able to do it is it's the hot angles mm. and stuff like that. It's it's like, what are the next big kind of storylines to actually kind of perhaps engage that audience? It's, it's like, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen punk in a feud. Mm. Like, and, and I, for me, like, I, I didn't want to see MJF used the way he was on this show when in some ways, if he'd interrupted the CM Punk bit, that would have been like absolutely fucking dynamite. I personally think, pardon the pun. Um, like that's the kind of stuff I think where you're more likely to get that kind of viral aspect of it being sent out. Whereas if you're putting on lots and lots of matches, like you, you know, there's individual moves and stuff, but there isn't those kind of like great segments that, that will cross. And I think, unfortunately it's that kind of stuff as much as, you know, we love a wrestling product. That's the stuff that connects to the wider audiences. It's the characters. Mm. That's it. I met a man in the pub this week and I was talking to him about wrestling and he was saying that none of big characters in wrestling, you know, none of these real names. He wants to see more people with real like jobs. I don't know if that's the uh, the lesson to take, but no. <laughs> we literally named that <laughs> an IRS. That's what we need more. That, that'll, that'll resolve it. <laughs> but no. <laughs> He's on an island on that one, isn't he? <laughs> it's, but no, I mean, it's it's more about, I think that's it, long term, making, you know, the AW homegrown people, you know, names that people know. And you know, as Will says there, rightly, in the chat you know up 50 percent in viewership uh year on year um you know since since this time last year again this is the third highest dynamite ever um as far as viewership uh, goes in uh, in total and in 1849 so you know there's that too and then all, all in all you know like i say pulled 20,000 plus people to a to a stadium in New York you know there's plenty to uh to celebrate there as far as the the, the numbers go but I mean we should talk it as a as a show there is a reason we are recording this uh this spotlight on a on a Thursday this week and it is uh, so that we can uh chat about this a bit fresh than fresher than we uh, we were normally able to when it comes to uh to dynamite so I mean let's get into it I mean as we talk you know Grand Slam and we talk 
you know the show itself what did you make it uh arthur ashes uh as a stadium and you know the the presentation of it uh, on tv um it certainly fucking sounded great um i think you know that i'm always you know I, I want aw to do what wwe don't and you know give us different stages and give us different setup I'll, i love the uh you know the addition of that weird like colored like uh, graphics of up uh, ramp they had, uh, which was used uh, yeah. a couple of times in the opener. I love the overall look of the other stadium, even if maybe I would have lit it a little bit brighter than they did. They they love throwing that uh, that dark blue light on things, don't they? And yeah, like as a viewer at home, I'm like, oh, I just want to, I want to see the scale of people here. I want to see. A, I think I heard Wade Keller talk about it. I want, I want them to show like you know people arriving. I want them like to show me a, show me a, like a, a shot from the crowd of of how crazy it is there. But you know, you could you could certainly tell it was a very big. St- full stadium and they were quick to uh to note there were uh 20 000 of the the fuckers in there yeah i completely agree with all of that that's the kind of stuff like i, I was thinking that one, uh, earlier on when i first started watching it um this morning but mm. i was like i'd like to be able to see like because it's forget how big an event this is like mm. when did the last time wwe drawn twenty thousand to the garden mm. Well, that's a very long Apparently, time. Apparently, this yeah. is, you know, that garden show that WWE did. What did they draw? 10,000 or so, mm. 10 to 12. Yep. Like, because of the high price of tickets, that was possibly, it was a million gate, which was the highest SmackDown has ever done. This was a million gate too. So you're tying the highest ever SmackDown gate with basically, you know, almost twice the, the number of people there. But, you know, mm. that says something. But I also think as well, and this is the thing you're going to come back to, is they're going to want to run it again. Mm. They'll learn some lessons from this. So I think if they they look at it and go, right, okay, we need to do this. Like that, just an easy drone shot of Mm. people arriving at the very start, Mm. just like leading into the ground. You could have done that and gone over the top if they'd had the roof open at some points, which I don't think, you know, they would have done that. Just those things that would have made it feel that bit bigger. These are quibbling around the edges. I think it's amazing as a venue and the fact that because it's obviously a tennis arena means that it's set out perfectly for a wrestling ring mm-hmm. and i completely agree with the ramp and everything else and it was it was a great fucking crowd mm-hmm. like i thought generally they had moments of, of yeah point, and i don't blame them for that yeah, I, I felt the same in that. In that, like, obviously, it was great for this like size of the crowd and and and, and things like that. But that was the one thing there for me, for me when I was watching it this morning that I just felt something was a bit lacking a little bit was that it kind of almost just doesn't look as unique as I thought it was going to look. I don't know in my mind when I was thinking about like you know it's a ten, you know tennis stadium and and then when I was watching the tennis like the you know, whatever, when Raducanu won like a fortnight ago and stuff, you were you were seeing, you know, seeing it in much more light and things like that. And it, I was kind of, I, I don't know, yeah, yeah, my mind was sort of running away with the different angles and things like that. But when I, when I was watching the show, again, because you sort of didn't have, I don't know, because of the camera placement and things like that, it just kind of felt like, Oh, this is just this is just another arena <laughs> to me kind of thing when I was watching it, and it didn't it didn't have that uniqueness. And obviously, it's great. This you know the size of the crowd and the the energy of the crowd and things like that was all absolutely fantastic. But that was the one thing there for for me that just immediately jumped out. I was I just felt like oh, this could just be the Barclays Center or something like that. I don't know. That's it just didn't, it didn't jump. It? Because they do that. Yeah. Like every one of their shows looks the fucking same. Every Raw, every SmackDown. You want AEW to lean into that, like of oh, we're in a different place now. Let's light it differently. Let's shoot it differently. 
And I was thinking, like, I don't know, even if it was just the the the, the ramp had been at a a different angle or something, or maybe it came from a, a, I don't know, something that just showcased the fact that the venue was a, was a bit different, you know, even if it came, you know, it, it came from a, a certain different height or something like that. I don't know. But, mm. but, but again, like, like JP says, it's a quibbling around the edges here. The main thing was that there was 20,000 people in a uh, yeah. stadium in, in New York that, uh, you know, drawn that level of money, which is absolutely fantastic. And, you know, hearing that level of, uh, that level of pop and energy at the start for the show, that excitement and things like that it kind of just matched and reflected my excitement in the week running up to this and you know you know looking forward to this this show really so from that point of view it was you know it was a great spectacle really every every time you just got that big shot and you could see to the you know to the to the highest point how many people were in there it was it was great definitely and you could you know the, the the excitement was palpable through the day and you could you could feel it you know in that arena and you could feel it in the entrances um, for the opener, because yeah, they went right to it. Danielson Omega, um, Brian da- Brian Danielson coming out just in. I like that, just coming out in uh, in boots and trunks uh, as as he should. Um, <laughs> he doesn't seem too interested in selling that American Dragon T-shirt that uh, that AW is trying to flog. Yeah, <laughs> I love the look on his face when uh, when him and uh, him and Kenny were out there at the star. Both got superstar reactions, like massive reactions coming out. Kenny gave it the full pay per view entrance as well. It was written all over Danielson's face. You know how cool it was to be in in front of such a loud and and rowdy crowd. I think Kenny did a did a good job um, of uh, of keeping his uh, his serious face on, which I will say he kept on throughout this match, uh, which was a nice uh, a nice thing for the other uh, Kenny haters like me. And then they went out there, lads, and had the small matter of one of the what, highest rated grapple matches of the year. You can tell as well in a second, Gareth. Uh, yeah, we went uh, we went thirty minutes, and boy, did they uh, did they mo- most of these thirty minutes. We had uh, a little bit of uh, tipping off, I thought, from the commentators at the top. Jr. kept mentioned that there was a thirty minute uh, time limit um, at the top, um, and then you know I think we all kind of knew um, where we were going, but. I'll tell you, lads, I've not had 30 minutes go by that quickly, I think, on any wrestling show I've ever watched, especially New Japan shows uh, lately. But yeah, from uh, from start to finish, this did not feel like a 30-minute match. I couldn't believe it when Justin Roberts uh, announced there was a, a minute left at the end. And yeah, they went out there and they they did. They made absolute most uh, of the time they had and gave us an absolute banger um, as far as uh, TV matches go. And yeah, I believe it's uh, it's already absolutely killing it on the grapple off Gareth. Oh yeah, it's it's currently like ranking as the, the third highest match of the year. And I was just checking there, just as you as you're talking, you know, as of right now, there's like. 424 ratings have gone in for it you know as we as we speak and it's averaging out at like 4.76 um which is um, you know <laughs> you know that many people you know rating a an american tv show match that highly like it's it's pretty fucking phenomenal really isn't it <laughs> at the end of the day when you're uh, when you're looking at you know looking at things like that and then the you know the only the only things to 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 rival it from from that standpoint is um, the Shingo match from from earlier this year that was number one for a while and then that was topped by the um, cage match from the pay per view the other week so you know AW sat, currently sat with two of the top three matches of the year as well which again so uh, you know a big shift that way because you know historically it's always New Japan absolutely dominating the top of the um you know grapple grapple 100 at the end of the year and throughout the year you know building on that so yeah just uh just just phenomenal stuff and i, I must admit it's, it's it's a match that 
I was probably slightly under that average. I was at four, four and a half this morning when I watched it, but I've, I watched it again um, um, just sort of earlier this evening and ended up nudging it up to, to 4.75 my, myself there. I think uh, I've got up at 5 a.m. this morning to try and uh, get the show in before work and before having to do the school run and things. And I think, I don't know, I think I was just caught a bit cold with it um, I'm watching it. I kind of just got out of bed and it suddenly being like, oh, Fair the match is now well. kind of thing. And, you know, it was like, because it was because it was straight on. So I was uh, I was definitely still uh, still waking up, I think, when I was watching half of it because I definitely got, up, got more out of it on the, the second watch. And I think that's always a good sign is when that you when you've got a match, you know, like this where it's gone as long as it has. It's, you know, you obviously know the outcome for definite at this point, you know, the spots and things like that. And it improves on a second watch. You know, that's always a, a massive, massively positive, uh, positive sign for, for me. And I think this is one, one where it absolutely did. You know, I think re- it really, when you talk about that length of time, the 30 minutes, God, it flew by, absolutely flew by. And you think of some of the painful 30-minute matches that we've, you know, we've watched and reviewed and things like that over the over the last six months. You know, if you'd have to, if, if I didn't know the time limit, if you'd have told me this was a 15-minute match, I'd have probably believed you, to be honest, because of the the pace it was worked, the crowd engagement throughout and and, and things like that. It just absolutely um, you know, it, it just 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 delivered on all, all of those and some uh, just some just some great spots throughout. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot of very similar thoughts, including how I also watched it. I got up at six and I watched <laughs> it and it kind of felt like it had hit me a bit cold. I was four and a half. I thought it was brilliant, but I was kind of slightly bothered by the time thing coming in. What felt like it, maybe I'd missed it because I was so engaged in the match, but I felt like I didn't hear any of the other time calls up until like one minute. And I was oh, like, yeah, ah. yeah. Nah, I, don't, I don't know if it's better to add them or not. Every ten minutes, mm. I think you, you don't do five minutes, but every ten minutes they but did you have this to do it every when... match. Then though, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the, remember the problem Rev Pro had when they were teasing out uh, was it the build to Osprey Star? Well, I would say there's not many matches that go over ten minutes generally on TV, so I mm. think you can get away with it at times. Fair. Like, and this one, you're really only saying it twice, and then the fact you'd be going like one minute, thirty mm. seconds, and do it that way. So it did lose something, and I think like the crowd kind of weren't expecting it. So that's the reason I probably wouldn't go five stars. I also went four and a half this morning because clearly it's a brilliant match and it absolutely flies by. The only other half an hour draw that I can remember being the same is also Kenny Omega, and it's him and Okada in the G1. And they wrestled like a half an hour sprint. Mm. And this felt sort of similar, it, even though there are bits where they are like there was the kind of working of holds. I just thought it moved at such a fucking pace. And to be honest, the thing that I love about it is happened right at the very start. It was the pop for the bell because you mm-hmm. very rarely ever hear that like a crowd, like kind of go, we're so looking forward to this match. We're cheering the fact it's happening. It felt like a big fight. Mm-hmm. You'll probably hear it on Saturday when like it's Joshua versus Usk and like the crowd get excited for that. You don't often hear that in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly to God, I think in terms of television matches, good argument for this one. It's very hard to think about what, other television wrestling match is better than this. Mm. This might be the greatest one. Serious, Kenny. Just a refreshing lack of bullshit. <laughs> it was so fucking pleasant. And it also signified where I think, and we've said this before, where the gap in that AW, AW roster is around those kind of like proper wrestlers mm. having proper wrestling matches. And it must be weird for you seeing the American dragon, Brian Danielson, like being reacted to by 20,000 people just in and of itself and leaning so much into that 
Mm-hmm. Like he's leaning, really yeah. leaning into it. Even doing the cattle which mutilation, is, which was uh, which got yeah. a <laughs> yes, John Paul equating that did get a pop out of me. <laughs> yes, yeah. I was a <laughs> standard and cheering for that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was it was serious Brian and serious Omega. Like that is like the biggest compliment I can give it. Like Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. this was a G one match. This was classic. Yeah you know proper like Kenny Omega with even less bullshit than some of those matches that he'd do mm. he was he was there and he you know worked to his highest possible level which is this version of Kenny Omega which I'll I'll never complain about Brian was there you're right JP to prove a point I think you know to I still don't love him that the yes stuff, I think it's never going away. I think he's just gonna have to accept it and go fuck off. WWE, you don't own, you don't own the copyright on yes. It's it's the twenty twenty one what chant. You know, it's not gonna die whether yeah. we whether he wants it to or not. It's gonna be with him, so he's probably gonna have to lean into it. Um, but like he, he overall, what clearly wants to pick up where he left off as American Dragon, and he was definitely there was definitely a harder edge to him. There was none of this, you know, pitbull underdog stuff that WWE kind of customized over the years. He was every bit Omega's equal in some ways. In other ways, it was kind of like, it felt like, you know, they were telling a bit of a story of, you know, Brian, you know, coming into AEW and meeting the best wrestler in the world and, you know, having to come up to to his level to, to, to you know, to hang with him. Uh, I think that was that was definitely in there as well. But all in all, it was just, you know, hard, hard-ass, you know, no bullshit, hard kicking Brian Danielson in there with a Kenny Omega who was taking this thing absolutely seriously. And you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've gone four point two five on the app. I love it, absolutely love it. Um, for for a TV match, I was actually surprised to see you know how many five stars are out there. I didn't hugely, I think maybe knowing, I don't maybe knowing the, the it being so heavily, I don't know, maybe given away that we were getting a draw maybe i should have maybe i shouldn't be disappointed by the finish but kind of the finish of you know them kind of just the exchange and strikes and it and it being a draw maybe knocks a, a couple of minor points off it for me but that's just me trying to explain why you know i didn't love it as much as you know the two the extra point mm. two five that that you clearly loved it, JP. I still loved it, and I still love what they. I moved up to four point seven five, mate. On second watch, <laughs> no way. <laughs> like Garrett, we're the same. Well, yeah. I've seen it twice, yeah. and I, I'm not budging. I, I think it was an excellent TV match. Maybe one of, if not the greatest um, TV match of all time, and it left me wanting more. Um, so maybe that's part of it as well, and that's part of the design of it. But I wouldn't go as a uh, go as high as that. I think with me, I think that the reason. I mean, partly the finish was one of the reasons why I was at four and a half this morning when I first watched it. It was like, I think, I think because the announcers didn't build to the fact that we were close to the time limit because I didn't even hear Justin Roberts at all give the call. Suddenly it just felt like the bell rang and I was thinking like normally in this scenario, you've normally got that kind of like you build and you've almost got that last crowd push, that last crescendo yeah. that you sort of like build yeah. into where you've got your last, you know, whatever, when you when you know it's like five minutes called, or, you know, often it's like three minutes called, then you're one minute kind of thing. And then so the crowd's building and building and it almost feels like the tempo of the match is like working towards something at the end there, whereas it just, it, it, it ran and it, it felt like there was a lot more legs in the match 
you know, then you know, it, it felt like it was it was ended, but it wasn't ended near the end of what the match should be, kind of thing. And and in many ways, that kind of left me feeling like, well, yeah, there's a there's a lot more on the table here. So I can't, you know, I always think like five stars are feeling. It was never a five star match for me because I never felt I never felt like it was a perfect match to me by 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 any way. And like I was I was immediately thinking about the next one, and there's more juice in this, and there's more stuff that can do, and there's more places that that that, that can go. So I think that was kind of one of the reasons why I was stuck at the at the, at the four and a half um, at that at, at that point, but then I I feel like I just got lost in it a bit more the the second time time around. Maybe it was because I wasn't watching it almost as critically. Maybe when I was watching it this morning, it was kind of woke up, thrown into it. I'm thinking about oh shit, we're doing a podcast tonight. I need to watch this properly and do the kind of thing and stuff. And I think I just went with it the second time. I kind of almost just enjoyed it by just watching it probably in a bit more leisurely way because I knew I I, I knew what was happening. I, d- I didn't need to, to to think about it as as, as clearly on the, on on that basis, but. Yeah, that 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 nudged up for me, but I, I think it was. I, I was surprised personally to see see so many so many fives going in there. But you know, like like you say, from the from the the first bell, the 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 pop, the pop from the first bell. I loved I loved, you know. Danielson's work with the the shoulder and the arm of Omega there, you know, working that body part obviously for thinking for later on. I love the, the Omega going the other way, working the neck and spine. Obviously thinking about um, again building towards the way he would end a match as a, as well. I, I, I like that different dynamic. I quite like the you know where you talk about like serious Kenny. I quite like the point where where he was on top that he did get a bit more arrogant and a bit more lax some of his pins and things he was just a bit casual with them and stuff and it was just like even though he was kind of serious and he had his working boots on that kind of like arrogance and superiority of the character did kind of like that I'm better than you bleed through sort of thing as well which 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 again I think it sort of almost made the the Danielson comeback just feel a bit kind of bigger and stronger and a bit more scrappier and things like that, which I do, do, uh, which, which I liked, but you know, all, all in all, I just, yeah, like, like thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, you talk about the idea of this just being a, a TV match. I mean, I'm just looking there and, it depends what you classify and you go back to and you're looking at things by yeah. comparison because you had things like Steamboat Flair and St- um, Flair Funk and things. They were like Clash of the Champions matches, which I yeah. suppose are TV matches, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, Walter Dragunov, obviously, that was an NXT UK oh, match, God, 2020 yeah. kind of thing. You know, that's a, that's a TV match as well. Where, you know, that was something that rated uh, rated high last year. I think if you, you know, you're digging back a bit further and you're thinking about like your, you know, Raw, you you roars you've got that punk scene a match from 2013 which is averages over 4.7 on the app you've got that austin triple h against benoit and jericho tag match where um where triple h did his quad didn't he in that in that match as well going all the way back to you know 2001 that's like a 4.62 on the app you know so they're probably the comparisons really when it comes mm. to you know tv match yeah tv wrestling but this is you know currently outranking all of those apart from you know flair steamboat at you know class of the champions six so again it's literally right up there the absolute tippy top when it comes to tv wrestling yeah, yeah exactly. i mean i'm shocked that like um 
Walter, now that you say it, that is the answer, isn't it? I think Walter really is better. Uh, oh, the NXT UK matches, though, is the best TV match of all time. Oh, On principle, um, I won't say. I, I'd say, you know, the, 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 think, you know, of the ones you listed there, there's definitely a few. Austin and uh, Triple H against Jericho and Benoit always kind of springs to mind. Andy's mentioned in the chat, you know, that 10 man from Raw 2000 with the, uh, the Radicals and DX against Rock, Too Cool and Foley. I remember loving that too. Um, and I love this, you know, I could I could be, you know, like I say, I found the finish a bit anticlimactic, but it was anticlimactic by design. You could maybe talk me into, you know, let's say 4.35 or, or maybe you could coach me into to 4.5. But TV matches don't come that strong, you know, very often unless it is, you know, a Walter Ilya situation where you're literally boxing off the entire hour of, of TV for it. And I suppose they did that here with, you know, boxing off the, uh, the first half hour. But, you know, it's not exactly like there's a, a million different options, is it, JP? Well, yeah, exactly, and uh, it's... You're muted, JP. It, oh, no. oh, am I muted? No, it's my end. Carry on. Oh, there we go. I was wondering what You're was going on there for a second. That's all right. Um, it's a fascinating debate, just thinking about like the TV match debate, and um, yeah, like I think the Clash... I think for AEW, Clash of the Champions feels like it's the, the kind of like natural comparison point. Um, but at the same time, if you notice this, they did this with the Moxley match, didn't they? They're not frightened to put those big matches on TNT when we all think so they should be putting them on paper, when people are saying putting them on pay-per-view. And you're very right to mention that this is, for me, it's not five stars, but that's not by design. We're meant to pay for the five-star match. Yeah, totally. And do I think they can have a five-star match? Absolutely. On this evidence, yes. No time, with a time, li- with like no time limit, like I think what they're going for is effectively a kind of a card of Kenny energy or even a card of Tanahashi energy where the first match is like the start of the series and the feud and everything else, which I know seems like an obvious thing, but we're not having promos built like loads and loads of build up times that first match. We're having that first match is like, where do they go from here? They're kind of perfectly matched. Is it a case now where we're going to get Danielson having to beat people every single week to move up the rankings in order to get the title match? And then you build up to that at full gear, which seems like the logical way to do it. And he'd be all right losing. And he'd have some great matches on TV. And I imagine he's already got Daniel Garcia and Dante Martin and the people he's been speaking about going, yep, going to be having these matches. And then we'll have 60 minutes. And I think the key is here, just no bullshit. Like, if this is the the version of Kenny that sells, Mm. like, the most, that has the most appeal, of any of them. And so that's why I think if you look at the like Moxley comparison point, which is probably the closest one that they've done so far with that winter is coming on TV. And that did, I think like 900,000, but that was also the start of them building up week on week on week as they had the storyline then going into, I think the, the um, exploding ring match and the rest of it. Am I right in that? I haven't dreamt that. Have I? So like, I, I think the fact that this is leading to something else, because my immediate thought was, I thought they were going to do a draw anyway. I just thought they were going to have it do a TV time limit draw, which in some ways dramatically would be better because it feels like you've got a massive cutoff point. Whereas in theory, you can have the let's go 10 minutes more stuff. But, you know, uh, overall, yeah. I think uh, I have faith that this is going to be proven to be a right decision, that it's going to, that people aren't going to come away from that match pissed off about a draw. Mm. That's it. And I think and, the- the problem is as well, if you try and do the TV time remaining thing and do it at the end, I've never understood that because what happens, the, just like the bell ring as we go off the air and we get no post-match whatsoever. Like it's hard to 
realistically do is it? I, to be fair i know um i, I know i know of people um and, uh, and brian elliott of fighting spirit magazine was one of them who literally did what you guys did but it was it was too it was too soon to watch the uh the, watch like just jump right into to brian and omega so we watched the rest of the show and then watched it at the end maybe that was the uh, <laughs> the way to do it um, that would have been could, the play <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but i can totally understand why they put it on first although you know again maybe it's not been reflected in the viewership very well yeah, I think one of the things one of the things with with that as well is is it was just like again I think with that that level of excitement with it and I think it's something that had obviously worked so well with the punk debut as well was it just you know we'd we'd obviously had a, we'd had a lot of debate about what order to do the show and what involvement and things like that even with the the the, the punk debut and I think just throwing him straight out there had worked well for that that it kind of almost just you know logically when it when the show did start and it was starting show i just thought yeah of course they've done this kind of thing it just it, it almost just felt like it fit the model that they're working to a little bit more really and mm-hmm. you, know, you know opening the show with it just getting the crowd when they're at the, the hottest i suppose if you're thinking about um you know if you're thinking about there's other stuff being taped and things like that as well but i, I just think getting the crowd getting them into that making sure that there's no fuck ups from a timings point of view as well and just starting the show off hot and hopefully getting the you know when we look at them quarter hours hopefully the highest number on the ratings and you'd just be trying to maintain that audience as uh, as much as you as much as you can it made sense from, from from that point of view maybe if i was like sat in america and i was watching it at a reasonable hour it would have like felt a bit more you know the palatable i suppose when it comes to coming to watching the show and it not just been you know just starting at that cold from rolling out of bed at five in the morning and kind of put a different uh, perspective on it but yeah i mean either either way i think like i say even when you you know go back and watching it again you know held up and held up even better for, for me on that point of view and i think one of the things as well that was that you know i i know obviously you're not kenny's biggest fan and you know benno but I think obviously a lot of the talk was about you know Brian Danielson and you know a lot of obviously the the flowers that have been you know thrown it thrown the way of this match I've been towards him and obviously kind of his legacy and you know the the way he worked this match and things like that but you know I think you know we can't under understate the mega part in this match as well really for 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 me because I just thought it was it was. And, and an opponent that just brought the best out in out of him as well, and it kind of just like awoken some elements of Omega that we probably haven't seen since he left New Japan, really. And that partially that's just because of the working style, or partially because of the opponents that he's had in ring that he's been able to work with, and um, things like that. But it just it it just I thought he was he was absolute top notch, and it just really kind of just sort of reiterated why he is you know, the level he is and perceived to be the level he is. And, you know, obviously, I mean, you'd have been happy that that, a bit, that there was no um, comedy bullshit thrown in there from him on um, d- different elements like that. But again, I think it, it almost just... It, it almost just reiterated that you know the level that he is when he's got his working boots, where he's focused, when he's going out there with that objective of putting on that, you know, that level of match, you know, clearly is still fucking you know got it in his uh got it in his locker and there's clearly a lot more to 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 come from him when he's when he's put in this environment mm-hmm. definitely definitely and that's it this is the you know we've had the conversation before want to see you know best in the world match of the year kenny omega and you know part of that conversation mm-hmm. has been well has he got the opponents through that here he has he's got one opponent and you know uh, i'm imagining Meltzer's going to give it six stars but we uh, we won't talk about him breaking the scale but you know he's got the opponent that he can go out there and have you know whether you're you know 4.25 4 and a half, 4.75 or god forbid five 
that's maybe a reason I didn't go, you know, I, I wouldn't go five on a match like this because I know they've got better too. <laughs> like, that's the other thing that this will, yeah, they've got to be going back to it. Like, that's my, you know, I think, sure, that's the call everyone's doing armchair booker about, but surely what we get now, Brian on Dynamite and Rampage and wherever else, just going out there and mowing through the roster like can we can we do that but i don't know if the maths works out but can we do that before full gear because that's what i want now like there's nothing else i want in the world um, more than than brian to, to work his way up and and get that title match it kind of is mm. you've got about what six seven weeks full gear is like november 13th mm. that's two shows a week mm. he'll be loving that stuff coming mm. out him going right i'm gonna plow my way through the roster <laughs> in order to get to that, to build up the momentum. Mm. And we've said it for a while, like the thing about these AEW pay-per-views, the thing that they kind of really missed and they do need is that killer five-star main event. Mm. And I've got the full confidence they'd do it mm. without any sort of mishap happening and something like some act, act of God. Like the potential is absolutely there mm. and they want to do it. And I think they both know it. And yeah, I, I want more of this. Mm. But the key is, is how do you stop the bullshit from happening? But saying that, I watched the promo video, the road to this Dynamite one, which I hadn't planned to do. It was on YouTube. And I loved Kemi's promos and the build-up to this. And I just think they're going to get better and better when they do, you know, there's more stuff. When we're going to get more of the kind of angle and character stuff mm. and Danielson explaining why he's changed and he's going to be like this. I think then at that point, we're going to be getting that kind of like really serious buy-in. Mm. But we've had a hell of a tease with this. Mm. Definitely. Um, any other thoughts on the match? Anything else before we move on? Hell of a match. Yeah. In terms of greatest TV matches, I, I, I'd i have to go back and watch some of the stuff. In um, the conversation. Yeah. And Kenny's done another, we mentioned the half an hour match with Pac. Yeah. The Liam's mentioned it there in the chat. Yeah. That's there. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. think of like if you think of some of the matches they've put on tv if this is beating those and we're talking about things like the brit baker thunder rosa mm. stuff like there is like it's it, there's already a high bar of stuff mm. and this is definitely going to be up there and it needed to be and i think it delivered and i find it very hard to think that people will be annoyed with the draw and stop watching as a result like i can't really see that happening Agreed. And, you know, I've seen people say that. I thought somebody was arguing it, going, oh, WWE, they should be mad. WWE don't do draws. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Like, it's not a thing they do. And it's a legitimate thing that happens in sports. How many fucking nil nils have you seen in the Prem? You know, it's 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 perfectly acceptable story to tell, you know, on the way to, you know, the conclusive match, which, yeah, we all know is coming um, at some point. But, yeah, you know, we like I say, we made the ballsy move of uh, throwing this out first and. Tough to follow, um, but before they uh, they threw a match out there, they threw uh, they threw Punk out there to uh, to to chew some scenery and uh, and cut a promo. Um, very much enjoyed this. I think it was uh, still again you could tell he was going off the cuff a little bit, and there's a couple of repeat lines in there. But that's you know you're talking one of the greatest promos of all time in CM Punk, and uh, you know I've got I've got high standards for Punk and. This was a, a good um, to very good um, punk promo out there. He addressed a, a few of the, uh, the the points people have been making about him being a happy punk. Uh, <laughs> I believe, you know, minor Rampage spoiler. So, you know, skip ahead 30 seconds if you want to hear the minor spoiler. But apparently he's wearing trunks as well on Rampage. You know, he's listening to uh, to us lot. Hey. Um, so there you go. That's in there. But uh, yeah, he, uh, he talks about the fact that everyone, uh, exp- you know, is uh, is seeing happy punk and they want to see the uh, the angry punk come out. And I think, yeah, he did a good job of it. Uh, 
weaving that into his uh, promo here and uh, and and talking down uh, Team Taz. Uh, yeah, this was the uh, absolutely uh, the man to send out there. I think after this match, and uh, the only person who could probably uh, yeah keep this uh, crowd as uh, hot as it was, Gareth. Yeah, I think it was it was one of those when he was, he was coming out. He was just like, yeah, from a from a I don't know TV ratings point of view, the fact that you're throwing out CM Punk after that and trying to hold the audience, you're thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, that looks like a, a smart move. But just from a how the fuck do you follow that mm-hmm. kind of thing? Does you, you know CM Punk's the man that you want to throw out for the uh, for the job there? And you know, God, he even said it himself, didn't he? Like, thank God I'm not wrestling. How do you follow that? I think yeah. that was like his opening. Uh, I think I think that was his opening line, which uh, which um, you know probably kind of reflected the feeling probably of everybody else in the locker room, probably MJF <laughs> and Brian Pillman were probably thinking. Fuck, <laughs> you know, yeah. when, it, uh, when it comes to that. But I think it was a nice, neat and tidy punk promo. Again, it, uh, it it did what it needed to do, addressed a couple of things. I think it just got um, came across, I think, with that, I don't know, that naturalness that punk's delivering his, that, that style is delivering his promos. That, that's, you know, almost that kind of, that feeling of, you know, the reality, this is the way that this this guy is actually feeling, you know, genuinely sort of thing. And I think it coming through that element of, you know, positivity and, you know, enjoyment of being there and just the sort of, you know, just the way he's holding himself and things like that. But then, you know, just internet, you know, the other stuff of, you know, if people want pissed off punk, be careful what you wish for and things like that. Just giving you the, uh, just giving you that little, little hook of something to uh, think about, um, think about for the, for the future more specifically. But yeah, again, I think it did what it needed to do, served its purpose, didn't overstate welcome. And, um, and again, probably the perfect, uh, perfect thing for, for that crowd and for the TV audience to to um, to, to follow up on that match, I would agree. I do agree. I will say on a personal level, I will. I kind of want to see him get his teeth into something. I know he's still finding his feet, and the Hobbs match is there. And I understand that you have to do this with Punk. It's the longer game for the pay per views and the big matches, rather than Brian, which is the right move of going straight in there with him. I would say there's that part of me that's like, with the benefit of hindsight in some ways, like it would have been if you scrap the MJF match and you have some sort of angle, almost that for me would have been a, a, like a better way to go. And I think there is a point where you kind of, I want to see punk in promo battle mode because we've not had that. Mm. And that, and that's a thing that I'm really looking forward to. So I know it's coming. Mm. It's just that I'm probably slightly impatient for it now. That's all. Yeah, I think we inched forward to it a little bit, but yeah, that, that's what I want to see. It was fun to see moments uh, of that in here. As uh, Liam said in the chat there, he did kind of trip over himself a bit with like, I, don't, I couldn't understand what the point was. Was he angry? Was he not angry? But he is angry. Um, but I was I was just glad to see that little glimpse of uh, of what we know is, uh, is lying beneath him, Punk, although it is still a delight to just to see him on Twitter and that just made up that uh, AW run in New York and he's all positive about wrestling. It's such a surreal thing to have in 2021. So I'm not going to uh, complain too loudly but yeah we went from that into as gareth noted mjf and brian pillman who uh who did have a, a tough task um to be honest i think in any environment i didn't think it was a very good match um i don't think mjf's a very good wrestler um, really i think that's uh one of those things that's uh you know you will obviously uh, improve on over time but i mean i saying that i shouldn't put the blame in mjf brian pillman is <laughs> i know i know he's, he's going for generic 80s baby face but i don't know if generic 80s baby 
face and you know and drop downs and hip tosses and whatever and lots of fire is really what i want to see um in tv wrestling in, in 2021 i'm not sure to be honest i want to see brian Pillman jr again after this i feel like this is the peak i'm like okay done it now match with mjf on dynamite don't need to see it again i think you know maybe roll them out in two years for a similar spot um i don't know he didn't really show me much in this and yeah you know particular that then yeah to be fair but yeah i didn't think there was uh, much going on here i was uh, i'm guessing i'll be the low man this i went two stars on grapple but uh you yes. know uh, if i'm saying i could be sympathetic and give them 2.25 just because they did have a, a tough act to follow two and a half for me I, th- I thought this was like yeah like very similar thoughts i just i didn't expect this to be good and it wasn't good mm. mjf works as well as what his opponent is that's mm. what i find because i've seen mjf yeah, have true. really good matches obviously he gets really good match uh, against really good wrestlers it's just that when he's in there with people it's, he, he can't carry them up a notch mm. and brian pillman we forget this he is actually still relatively raw within wrestling isn't it it's, mm. it's still like around five years or so which in wrestling terms isn't all that much but it, it feels like him being in that tag team was the best place for him to be. Like we didn't really need this singles feud. I, you know, there's a, there's a, he got a bit of a juice in Cincinnati as much as anything else. And that's probably leading up to why they had the match here. But I didn't feel MJF got the reaction, like the, the kind of what, of what they perhaps would have hoped, but maybe they would have got that against a kind of better opponent. But yeah, of all the things that really didn't need to be on the show, this would have been the one. And I think the crowd would have been happy with an MJF promo. Sorry to bang the drum about it. I think that would have been the thing to kind of like do that. And obviously you wouldn't do a, a promo in this segment, but I don't think they wanted to see necessarily MJF beat Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah, I, I was the same as you, JP. I give it two and a half. And, you know, I can't say anything more positive about it. I, I just thought, I mean, if anything, it should have maybe just been a squash. Like MJF should have just got the quick, the quicker win. I think for for me, it just it felt like it went on. The crowd felt pretty flat throughout. I thought like it really brought the crowd down and kind of you know it took a bit for them to you know get back up. But it just um, you know I suppose it was it was classic AEW in throwing some homegrown talents out there you know on a big stage kind of thing and just um you know flashing some people in front of what you know should have been a bigger audience but probably the wrong two guys as well for to be um to be fl- um, flashing in, in front of them in, in in this scenario i think it i think maybe this you know where we've talked in the past about your higher tempo you you know you know the, the lads who are going to work that kind of like faster high flying style maybe again that was something that would have been a better fit for mm-hmm. to showcase some of your younger talents you know like you know Agreed. like a dante Martin or something like that really where you know you uh, again where you're working to Again, you'd have assumed some newer eyes, fresher eyes on the product, and something like that. Something might have worked a bit better, and you know, maybe you could have thrown that in as a, as, a, as an extra. But yeah, just this. I mean, I think it was last week talked about it. You know, Brian Pillman is is better than I thought he was, but he's he's still shit. Like you know, that was that's the kind of the, that, 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 that's that's the backhanded compliment I can give Brian Pillman is that actually you know he's he's not as bad as I thought, but he but I still don't rate him in the slightest. And obviously he had his nice little Cincinnati run and things like that. But if his name was Dave Smith, he's not anywhere near this fucking card. Is it? He's purely he's purely he's, he's purely been in there on the old you know the name of Brian Pillman for the last month six weeks. It hasn't been he hasn't been getting on Dynamite and and, and Rampage because of the. Uh, 
because of his working ability by by any means. And I think he's he is best placed now to go back down, work that tag team with uh, Griff Garrison, and for the love of God, Big Tone, give us them fucking TNT tag team championships because mm. that's where uh, that's where Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison should be going for those uh, secondary tag belts. Definitely. I would. I would. Sorry, JP. Well, there's there's going to be a women's TNT title first. I think that's the next women's one TBS, playing, which might they have actually said yeah, that. T- TBS, yeah, TBS title. Uh, that makes sense. Mm. I get why why they would do that first. Um, I would say though to slightly push back, Gareth, there is a Dave Smith in wrestling, um, who's also <laughs> second generation, and he wouldn't be anywhere near the top of this card. But that's because he's boring as fuck as well, um, <laughs> I suppose. Who well, obviously there's, is there's now related title. to Davey Boy. <laughs> Dave Smith. <laughs> that People is literally Davey like Smith's name now that you say it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, that is that, that's his name. <laughs> so I, I never thought that like together. Thinking, his name's yeah. Dave Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I wish he called himself that. If you wanted to honour his father's legacy, pro- primarily being from the Northwest, where, I don't know, it seems to change on which WWE sort of piece you believe, because I read something the other day saying he's from Sheffield, and I thought, that's fucking news. To the people of Wigan and Warrington and Manchester, ah, um, depending on where they were touring in the early nineties, wasn't it? From Leeds, yeah, exactly. From Manchester, from Leeds, England, yeah, <laughs> yeah. used to get from it. From Liverpool, Wait, from Wigan, <laughs> yeah. From Penzance, Davy Boy Smith Junior. <laughs> no, Dave Smith. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. Title sorted. Um, Show yeah. title. Dave yeah. Smith. <laughs> but my main, my main wish, though, yeah, never give Brian Pillman Junior. Ten minutes on a dynamite again. Um, and if you are doing in Cincinnati. Um, this should have been done one and done on that rampage I can't believe they stretched it out for New York I feel like it could have uh, put anything else in this spot and it would have been uh, been more enjoyable but we went from there to uh, the small matter of uh, remember Cody Rhodes used to be one of the big stars in AEW was in there against uh, Malachi Black um, up next to be fair it does come across (laughs) big stars in AEW Cody came out uh, with Arn and Brandy and to say to say he got a mixed reaction with uh, would say the least um, as he came out draped in a more uh, American flag like gear Definitely, you know, whether, you know, Cody's talk all the time about he's not a face or a heel, he, you know, there's no such thing in wrestling anymore, all that nonsense. Definitely more on the uh, the heel side for, for this match and not by choice, that New York crowd uh, definitely uh, went suffering uh, the, the Cody Rhodes stuff. Uh, I very much enjoy when Brandy Rose rolled in to do the uh, the flip-off spot. The, of course, oh. she had to get in. Um. Yes, they they booed that out of the building. Uh, I did I did like that? But to be fair, yeah, Cody leaned into it. Uh, it played into the finish as well with him uh, pushing the ref away after uh, one Arn Anderson slip off the apron, which apparently wasn't good enough to just call an audible and use. Apparently, he had to get back up to get pushed off. Um, I feel like uh, yeah, I'd say Arn Anderson would be rolling in his grave at that. I feel like lads, you were you were offered a freebie there. Just take it. You didn't need to rerun the spot. Um, but it was. Uh, all in all, just a weird match, uh, a weird scenario, weird Malachi Black. All of a sudden, he does missed, apparently. Uh, Malachi Black, who dominated Cody last time, apparently needs that to win this time. I mean, I know there is the issue, do you want to bury Cody twice? But uh, I don't know how I felt about that. All in all, just a, a weird segment and said everything about Cody's weird placement in, uh, in AW 2.0. Yeah, that's what I've got in my notes. This was weird. Um just to say about the Arn Anderson, there's a few just random thoughts I've got about this because that's how this match felt. It was just like so odd. It was an accident waiting to happen, him climbing around that rim post when I saw him do it. I thought, what is he doing? 
is he like high or something and just decided fuck it i'm off for a wonder um because it made no sense and then when he fell down i was like well it's not really a surprise is it it was just like a bizarre like sketch comedy moment and then he got bumped off i did love the new york crowd and the reaction and i, ha- I have to say against all better judgment i'm really enjoying malachi black apart from the eye makeup if you got rid of that, I feel like I could completely get on board, but that's something that bothers me because there's no need for it or any decent explanation. And the crowd loved him. And I heard it commented on that this has got very much a Homelander versus Billy Butcher vibe to it from the boys, which I know Gareth has watched, but I, I don't I don't know if you have, Benno. Yeah, I've seen the, the boys first episodes. I know I know of him that he's like the the idea is that the public think he's a hero, but actually he's a piece of shit in the background. Is that, yeah. is that the gist? Oh yeah. Does Cody know that? Dressed. Does Cody just see well, him on face value? <laughs> it's, it's a very hard thing about seeing whether or not he would he 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 would actually see that and see the or whether or not he'd be watching it thinking, "Oh, Homelander is the hero. Look how he's dressed." Mm. But he was really leaning into it. Um, it just feels like that heel turns coming the more he says no it's not the more i think it is like you say he leaned into it um i think the natural heel thing is he'll end up giving himself the title and the rest of it and when you think of it it's it's hard not to think he's arrogant he's the one who comes up through the stage he doesn't have to go through the walkways like everybody else he has his own special entrance like which no one not punk doesn't get it danielson doesn't get it omega doesn't get it he gets it and i think that's a good thing because there'll be some places that'll probably cheer him for it and other places that'll boo him and i think that makes it interesting so as weird as it is as odd as large swathe of this match was and the the brandy coming in stuff the mist all of this stuff which kind of it's just very odd it's the problem with cody i find myself kind of like i'm still compelled by it. i enjoy it seeing rosario dawson fucking jump on tommy uh tommy end the week before that's weird like I was thinking like what, what have I seen her in recently it's like the Mandalorian she's got like a big role in a serious series and they've got a jumping on the back of the former Tommy End so it, it's all very odd I, I kind of the only place I see this going is it's the obvious split with Arn Anderson and he starts to lean more into the heel stuff it seems to be that's the direction they're going in but with Cody how the fuck do you predict this stuff changes on a weekly basis mm-hmm. yeah I think this was one of those where it was I really enjoyed this from the point of view of like the whole we're not in Jacksonville anymore kind of and you know we're not in this like almost sanitized environment to some degree we're out there with the real fans now and this is one of the things where you get to see the real reactions for people and the the way different people feel and the fact that it will change depending on like which city they're they're in and you know from that that point of view I just I loved it because I think that's one of the things that we've you know we've discussed certainly over the last year has been like oh when you get back to crowds you'll see who is over and who is over to a certain degree and you'll see what people think of different people so i did love that kind of like organic feeling to the way that the uh, the crowd reacted in, in in this particular instance and you know i think that i mean when you talk about that homelander stuff i mean it's something that we've mentioned a couple of times over the last few months and the presentation of him and that, that you know it has cropped up kind of thing and and i kind of do feel like it 
like it can't be an accident that it's it feels like it's increasingly being leaned into and then when you look at like the outfit that is on the promo stuff for him and brandy on their tv show and like that that is just it's basically just lifted homelander's outfit com- completely mm. and like you say with the whole things with the the entrance and the power he has and everything you know and everything like that it all just lends itself to kind of you know be that way and you know i saw a lot of stuff online the hollywood clamoring. stuff Exactly, all of that other stuff, the big star, the I am better than you, the I've got power, and, you know, then it is something that they can make kind of a compelling storyline out of from, you know, from a wrestling standpoint and just bleed that way. And I've seen online people talking about, oh, well, we need to do the heel turn and things. I I, I just want this to just be a real, you know, I want it to burn even slower. I want want it to be him to be presented in this way and and the booze to just grow and it to just grow organically and it'd be the sort of thing where he is getting cheered some ways and he's getting booed in other places but eventually kind of like the the booing the heelness just kind of like morphs across the whole the, 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 the whole top of it and it just becomes this slow evolution I don't want it to just be some sort of thing where he just suddenly like kicks the shout at Arn Anderson on Dynamite next week and suddenly oh he's a heel because he got booed to me that's like WWE behaviour that kind of thing it's it's a it's 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 that reaction kind of thing and like oh we've got to you know we've got to do something I want it to just be a bit cleverer than that and then I almost feel like it is something that they are they have got a bit of thought behind them themselves and you know the whole thing about Cody and the belt and things I always feel that that was like a seed that they dropped for that inevitable heel turn eventually and things like that you know further down the line as well so yeah, I certainly think it's something that they're you know they're that they're thinking about but it, but again I'm, I'm, I'm probably surprised on the flip side by how over Malachi Black has got and how quickly like mm. the, the the crowd love him don't they the, the, the love him we give Exactly, you know, like it's it, it is is you know he comes out. It's exciting to see him. His matches are good. You know the you know the 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 crowd get up for it. You know there's good spots and things like that. And it's again, it's one of those where you know I'm, you know, put your hands up and go, yeah. You know, we we're talking about Tommy Belland at that time, sort of thing. But he's a it's a he's a far cry from that. He's he's becoming one of the most entertaining things on the on on the show for for me as well. And if they keep um keep booking him in this in this way and um. I don't know. Don't give him too much freedom over his uh, his eye makeup. He needs to get that eye looked at. It's getting worse every week, isn't it? You know. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure he's got some uh, elaborate designs on where that go, and hopefully they temper that a little bit and just kind of build a bit of control in it, and don't give him total uh, total free reign on on, on that one. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I like the way that it's going, and and I like this this whole dynamic. To be honest with Cody, I think it's. It's probably the perfect feud for him to be brought in, especially where you've kind of got this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're both sort of sitting in that, realistically, probably in that middle ground a little bit. You know, in the way that Black's been presented in certain instances as well. He's not pure babyface by any means, is he? Can't, mm-hmm. Is he either sort of thing? So, I think there's quite a lot of legs in where this can go, and it's um, it's one of them where with Cody so much of his stuff has been quick and short term that you know maybe this is finally something where you can sort of you know there's a bit more meat on the bones and there's a, there's a bit more um, bit more development um, to 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 go with this particular particular feud but um, still laughing my ass off at arm falling on his ass brilliant stuff it was like <laughs> 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 poor bastard 
we, I know we love a good age thing on this uh, on this podcast and things, but uh, I was like immediately, I was like, what is the difference in age between Arn and Sting? And I was like googling it as after Honestly, you took that bump, and it was like it, it was like one year difference. Arn been one year older than Sting, and I was just like, what the fuck? I was like, how can Sting be out there working a match like this, and Arn can't even walk around an apron? Like uh, fucking. <laughs> Apart from him, yeah, he was like a ginger. He's like Hans Molman football in the groin. It was, uh, it was, it was not a good look for uh, for Ron. Um If it was planned, it would have been perfect, but it wasn't, and it kind of yeah made for like a, a weird moment in the match as well. But like a mm. like a tennis umpire hitting the knackers with a ball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was a full Hans Molman. But like I, I think um, with um, with Cody, yeah, I think the thing about him is he does feel lost in the shuffle i think you know he was the shiny big star at the start of AEW through you know some not great booking through some you know his, his disappearing and reappearing through you know a lot of the kind of stop start nature of his, his fuge and the you know we've talked about before the adhd booking plus you know the the fact that he gets this big grandiose entrance and you know we we laugh at him and but you know we kind of half ironically enjoy it um all of those kind of things added together plus the fact that punk and brian have come in now of kind of made cody feel like a bit lost uh in the shuffle and i think yeah if if, if they lean down this route of you know of a more heelish cody and it is you know something like you say gareth that, that's organic that they lean into and you know the, the fans you know starting to get a bit sick of cody's shit turns into you know a bit of cody going after punk or a bit of cody going after brian or you know hangman page or whoever the baby face is like that's far more interesting for me than what you know cody's really been doing middling round the mid card you know these last six months i'm the star i built this company all that kind of thing you know it's mm. like it's classic hail stuff kind also, of also i'll know, take that title it, shot you know all of that yeah it's the yeah. mind isn't it it's right there so yeah, let's hope that is the uh, the direction we're going. But you did mention there, uh, Gareth, in, uh, in Sting. And yes, that did come up next. Uh, FTR versus Sting and Darby Allen. FTR in weird NWO in by a gear. I mean, I feel like if you're already doing a four horseman knockoff, I don't think you need that, lads. Uh, also, I, I can't remember who tweeted this, but like, which members of the NWO would they be anyway? Like, there's no equivalent of FTR in the NWO. I don't think it'd be a good fit. Nash and Hall? I don't know. Who was the tag team? <laughs> Horace Hogan? <laughs> it was like Luger and Agwell, wasn't it, for yeah, a long time? I don't, I don't, it just seemed odd. Like, I know the face and sting, but I don't know if they're the guys you uh, you necessarily want to yeah. do that. The, uh, the nerds they are, but whatever. Um, as a match, it was a lot of fun. I went three and a half um, on the grapple app, um, and maybe that doesn't account for how much fun this was. The majority of it was just getting to, like you say, Sting, one year the junior of uh, of Arn Anderson out there. And, you know, he looked, there was a couple of moments earlier on the match where he was running the ropes and he was trying to keep up with one of the members of FTR. And I was like, they're giving Sting a lot to do here. I feel bad for him. But I tell you what, he was up for the challenge. Uh, you know, he was active in the match. He was, you know, all over the ring. He was bumping. He was feeding. He was, you know, hitting lots of offense himself. He was he was out there and willing to put in a shift and yeah it, it made this a, a very very fun little tag match and uh, yeah the derby looked great thought fdr looked looked really good as well and yeah all in all though the start of this thing was sting at the grand old age of what is he 61 that's crazy <laughs> just like again this this was 
I don't know. It was almost like a bit of a palate cleanser or something like that. This match on the on, on the show, it was just like throw something out that it, that is that fun match that you can that you can just watch and yeah, I don't know. You almost don't need to take you know too seriously to to, to some degree. You know, have a bit of have a bit of fun with it with the heel face dynamic, and then obviously yeah, just putting Sting in that place where he's got that element of showcase and just get those nice uh, you know put him out there in front of a big crowd and just get those nice big pops for. You know, stinger splashes and you know, scorpion death drops and things like you know, just just one of those. Let him let him let him do his do his stuff and you know, give him that um, give him that profile and give him that spotlight that um, that he uh, you know wasn't given the right sort of send off in the in, in the right way with his his WWE run. It was just another kind of like notch on the belt of uh, of them booking Sting right here. I mean, I was slightly lower than you, Ben. I was three point two five on this, but it was uh, it was again it. it, it what it was you know for me was it, it it just kind of like just just served that purpose really of just just bringing you up a little bit probably a, a, again and you know i think it did the did the same with the crowd as well i think he, i think he definitely got the crowd back into the show where that maybe had was that kind of dip and that little bit of jadedness that came from um you know following on from that that hot opener but again love it any any chance to ask you to um put Sting out there and him look, you know, not look shit and, you know, kind of almost over-deliver and over-achieve against expectations and certainly over-achieve against expectations, what you would have had when he came into the company initially. Great stuff. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that. I went three and a half as well. I, I had so much fun watching this. I love watching FTR. I know they're not always everybody's cup of tea, but I think it's just for me, I, it's like I just enter that place of they – they steal so liberally from like the Midnight Express and the likes of that that I'm perfect. But I'm perfectly happy for that. I wish more people would do that. Um, and Sting is just like been this constant joy because every time I think, ah, oh, this is a bit too much, it somehow works. All the way from when he first came out, and you can you can't argue that Darby Allen is a bigger star, and you can say yeah, he was in there with Punk, but the Sting stuff really adds to it as well, and. Their dynamic works. And even though logically to me it shouldn't, like this, this it is a weird combo when you kind of think about it. So, but, uh, you know, what do they have in common really other than face paint, mm. like, and, and the color black? But it, it is one of these things where, like, it is, it, it's so much fun. And seeing someone like this get, like Gareth said, the proper send off. Mm. This feels like, yeah, this is the run that he like deserved and he's getting it in front of crowds. It's lifting it and he's inspired by it. And it's just all credit to him because he's no right to be doing it this at his, his age. He's older than KG Muto. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, hell of it. And, 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 and also he's clearly enjoying it so much himself and he's putting the work in himself. He's not there to just steal a living kind of thing. He's not there just to get a paycheck. He's clearly enthused by this. He clearly enjoys it and he's, you know, he's doing more than he's he should be doing. And he's, you know, he, you know, he, clear, he clearly wants to be kind of putting that effort in to help Derby and help the people that they've been thrown in with in their feuds as well to help them kick on as well, which is, you know, a great trait for when you, you know, you look at the way that you know WWE treat legends and they be, they come in and they're almost like isolated in the rest of the roster and they just come in and steamroller people and then piss off for six months before they're like needed again to pop a number for a pay-per-view or for a TV or something like that and they're treated almost as like godlike and you know 
different and better to the rest of the roster who are working week in, week out. There's none of that with Sting. You know, Sting's clearly like in there amongst them all and having an influence on them all. And, you know, again, I think it's just another version of, you know, AW using the, you know, legends or, you know, older wrestlers to to help get the younger ones over much, much better than, than, than WWE have done. And, I love that last spot though. That was that was great to finish with the um you know with um Sting with the Scorpion Deathlock on and then them, you know, holding hands and then Darby doing the coffin oh. drop to like break it on onto the apron. Great half. Oh, what a great finish that was. More than, more than that though. I want to see that combo move they teased with Sting doing the look like Sting doing the Scorpion Death Drop and Darby doing the coffin drop onto the person he's doing it on. <laughs> yeah. Next time, yeah. lads, come on, can't tease that and not give me it. Like, I need that in my life. Uh, hopefully that's coming. Oh, it's yeah, a shame the like... Bucks aren't champions, because that would be a great TV main event to do. Oh, yeah, the be. Young Bucks up against anyway, Sting and Darby Allen. Find the reason. And that's the weird thing. I'm now thinking, oh, I could happily watch them have a tag title match. Mm. I was there thinking as well, I'd look forward to those late Sting matches before he really does sort of hang it up where you go, right, he's going to want to get in there against all of these younger guys before he kind of finishes up and, you know, see him in there against like a Kenny Omega or something like that would have seemed like a horrific idea a while ago. Mm. And now I'm kind of enthused by it if something like that happened. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we went from there into our into our main event, um, which was uh, they went with Britt Baker and Ruby Soho for the uh, the women's title as uh, as the last match on on this show. I wouldn't be surprised if that's another peak in the ratings based on you know recent uh, recent mm-hmm. trends. Um, as a match, I did think it was a bit disappointing to be honest. I think it just it was a bit messy. Um, I don't know. Britt Baker comes across as the biggest star in the room, but. Uh, matches can be a bit of a mixed bag for me um, maybe it's a similar thing to what you were saying about MJF before JP about working to the level of their opponent uh, I mean I can't remember a huge amount of Ruby Riot's uh, WWE run to tell me you know that she's better than this because I hope she is because um, yeah I didn't really think much of this match like I say it seemed, felt, felt a bit messy I went 2.75 on it not the worst match I'm, I'm ever going to see but as far as a main event on this Dynamite Felt a little bit anticlimactic, I thought, and yeah, the uh, average grapple rating is three point three four, so maybe not as low as me, but certainly not uh, people uh, singing from the rooftops about it. It was a match where, like, probably for, for I'm higher on it than you. I went three point two five, and like, I'd maybe probably go at that average. Like, I'd maybe go three point three three or something like that. To me, it was. It did feel like slightly better than a three point two five. Uh, to me, I, I enjoyed it. Like for me, it felt like a, a genuine contest. I thought. I thought. Um, you know, I got 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 a lot out of you know, some of the the stuff there where there was. Um, I don't know. I did feel kind of it, that element of realism came across. You know, it did feel. You know hard hitting it did feel like you were it was a um it was worthy of um you know being a bit been a title match and um you know i thought there was some you know cracking stuff that that big air egg crash from the second uh rope i, I really enjoyed i thought that was good thought that uh curb stomp that um brit did look fucking vicious as well like there's just some little bits within within there that are that, that i just uh just just really in, in, enjoyed um i just uh I, ju- I just felt like um yeah certainly it wasn't something that was like you know, delivering at the level of um, some of the other stuff, like the the Thunder Rosa stuff. But I think, as far as a a women's TV match of this ilk and with this amount of time, 
no, I don't know. It felt like it maybe overdelivered for for me a little bit, and um, I thought like it was um, it was equally enjoyable as the as the as another match I'd I'd just watched previously, and just felt like a, a nice way to end the show. I'm splitting the difference. I went three stars on this. Um, <laughs> I kind of like it's almost like I fall between both of you on that. It's like I, I, I there were points in this where it looked like it was it was a mess. And then there were points where I think actually as much as anything, the crowd willed it into being something perhaps better than what it was. They were trying the dueling chance. I, I, I kind of, but they weren't quite there. If it made any sense, there wasn't enough people who were kind of like invested. Mm. And for me, I just thought it should have been worked. Like in some ways it needed to be like kind of quite fast paced. Cause I felt at times it just like kind of dragged as well. And there was the spot where, Ruby Riot was as uh, Ruby Riot. Ruby Soho was doing the kicks into the corner. He just kind of looked bad. Mm. I thought, yeah, that sticks um, out to me. Yeah, uh, but I didn't think it was like kind of bad overall. I was glad that they kept the title on Britt Baker mm. um, because I think for me, you go Thunder Rosa. That's the feud that's worked before. Mm. There's a good claim for her being the next kind of contender. I think that's what you do at like kind of full gear. Mm. You go there, and if you're doing that. Like and I think this is where you need that TBS title as well, because you need to see other people being kind of put in prominent positions in different feuds that aren't involving just the champion, that you can get someone in there and you can see what reaction they get mm. in the kind of matches and then build title for title at some point. Yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe as a main event, I expect a little bit more, but yeah, don't think we're hugely um far away from each other but one thing i will say it left me wanting more um this show like i tweeted it last night as a joke but if i could have just started that rampage feed as soon as the show finished i, I mean i was up late watching it i'd have stayed up i would have carried on watching to be honest um you know uh, i we shouldn't uh just in case with there are listeners who are you know massively spoiler averse i've uh half mentioned something earlier but other than that there's a uh, not a huge uh we, we, we probably shouldn't go hugely into into spoilers, but yeah, I felt hyped for Rampage, and you know, I'm excited to watch mm. that on Friday. More of this crowd sounds like you know from the minimal spoilers I've seen, the crowd stay lively for it, and yeah, there's a uh, plenty more uh, fun to come in the uh, the two hours on Friday as well. Yeah, I was exactly the same, exactly the same boat. It was it was watching this to the end and just feeling like I want more, and especially probably because it had that pay per view feel mm. to it a little bit. <laughs> like you know, it did feel like oh, where's you know, there should be two more matches here, or there should be three more matches here. So I'd a, I'd have definitely been a well up for just being able to just continue that through. And again, that's that whole thing of like. I don't know the end of the uh, end of the Danielson Omega match, leaving you feeling you wanted more. The end of the show, leaving you feeling like you you wanted more, and that's only got to be a good thing because hopefully that just helps you know move the move things for for Friday night for for Rampage, and hopefully you know maybe if you if you look at things as a whole and you look at the the Dynamite rating and you look at the Rampage rating and then you go like for like with the week before, if if things do go up for Rampage, well you know they they go you've maybe like got another. Um, another positive out of the tape in there but when you you know when you look at the matches that are on that show and who's featuring on that show again i'm you know god it's, it's tomorrow night isn't it like great yeah i can't wait can't wait for that <laughs> oh mate it makes saturday morning really good mm. it's like yeah i'm going fuck yeah i can watch that and then there's probably like by the time i've watched it there's a match on at half 12 and you go right fpl stuff 
Like it's, it's, <laughs> it all fits in very, very neatly into each other. I think the fact that Rampage is staying on TNT, and I haven't read much into the story, I've just sort of seen the headline, but that suggests to me that they want AEW presence of both. Mm. So any idea that people looking at the Rampage ratings, because it was slightly like down, it's like 642,000. That's well above what they're expecting. And then again, the demo stuff, like at that time on a Friday night is pretty incredible. So, and looking at this card, I'm just thinking like, Pretty much all the big matches, like Adam Cole and the Bucks versus Christian Cage, um, Jurassic Express, Powerhouse Hobbs versus CM Punk, even weirdly Men of the Year versus Jericho and Hager, and then obviously Suzuki and Archer versus Moxley and Kingston. Like all of that stuff, I'm thinking, yeah, that's big. And so I thought, imagine if you're in that New York crowd, the show you would have sat through, and the amount of stuff that's there. Like we're talking about it sort of incrementally for these, but. At the end of that whole experience, I can't imagine there's too many people from that going, right, that's me That's me done with AEW. Next mm. time they come to Arthur Ashe. They will have fucking delivered a serious car to them without actually spoiling too many big matches. Mm. So, you know, that's mission it. accomplished. Definitely. And, and not, in a, not in an Iraq war way either, where it really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> or a defending the wrestler mode. Um, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the good thing about it is, like you say, you've got long to wait for Rampage. And not long for wait for us to, to talk about Rampage uh, when we get, get back on schedule next week with the uh, the next spotlight. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about uh, that then. But yeah, fun to uh, to talk about a dynamite right then. A little bit uh, a little bit timely, but there is uh, more going on uh, in the wrestling world that we can uh, we can talk about. And uh, yeah, as we said at the, uh, the top of the show, JP, we were uh, at your call this weekend. But, you know, apart from the BAQ, and the bouncers mm. had a hell of a time, mate. It was a, uh, it was, it was a fun time uh, to be, to be back there in uh, in York Hall and uh, amongst um, plenty of people, decent attendance too. You know, it looked looked to me to be about five hundred or so, uh, maybe a little bit more. I don't know what your uh, your guess would be on that. Um, well, speaking, Mark Buckledy and Ian Hamilton tend to kind of get this stuff quite right. They, you know, they they tend to get it down. They were saying like, sort of, I thought closer to six. Mm. Like I thought it was a considering the card, considering the circumstances and, you know, normally what these shows would have and the kind of big imports as well. I was quite, I was quite impressed with that as a number. And I know people will say like, you know, Will Ospreay was on there, but again, when he came out, he's treated like a major star here mm-hmm. as well. That's something really to note, but overall a really fun show. I have a thing at the minute with a lot of these like cards in Brit rest where it's basically deliver one really good match one really good match for people to kind of go back and watch and remind you what is possible to be delivered. Well, here there was two. Mm. And I think as a result, like I came away kind of a lot higher. There wasn't anything on the undercard that was like particularly bad as far as I could remember. Um, Nothing particularly good. (laughs) No. Well, actually in some ways there are parts of the opener that I enjoyed, but there's Mm. parts of it where it just ran too long. Mm. Um, Yes. Yeah. And I actually missed the angle afterwards because I was legging it to try and get it back. So as soon as it happened, I missed the whole kind of angle after the the main event as well. Mm. So, yeah. I, I mean, I thought overall, this was as good a show as Rev Pro could have realistically run with mm. the roster that they have and, put, and as good as they could have done. And they delivered some matches. And I think people have thought, you know, York Hall, bouncers and bar staff not with notwithstanding mm. this is a, a good place to come back mm-hmm. to 
definitely. And they ran a bit late as well, just to throw that in there. But, you know, what are you going to do? (laughs) I didn't have a train to catch, so I wasn't too... You'd be panicking, Gareth. Uh, It was was where nearer to half eight than uh, than eight o'clock, I would say, by the time this uh, this thing wrapped up. But, no, I I think I'm with you, JP. I think, you know, we can talk about the undercard in a minute. I, I didn't... I think I think card layout wasn't great. You can't end that first half with Mark Askins versus Yotasuji going twenty odd minutes or whatever they went. It was as boring as it sounds. Mark Askins is just you know technically very good wrestler. I'm not going to say he's a bad wrestler, but I'm not sure how much appetite I've got to see him anymore in 2021, especially not go this long uh, with someone as unproven as Yotasuji. It was a, an odd choice to put in the uh, in the first half main event, and it was one of those matches. Yeah, I thought you could literally hear you know everyone's conversation going on around the room as it as it continued to stretch on. Didn't go good, but you know to highlight the positives, it was it was that second half. You know, um, Giselle Shaw in there and high. Ryan had a you know a decent um, two out of three falls match that could have main evented um, that first half, um, but we can talk about uh, that in a minute. But yeah, it was about those last two matches, and uh, firstly got to shout out what I actually thought was the strongest of the two, um, Aussie Open and Destination Everywhere. Like I was raving about the uh, the Destination Everywhere tag with the uh, the Young Guns from the two two nine the other week, which was a, a hell of a, a fun time, and it was a great example of uh, of Connor Mills um, and, uh, and Michael Loku especially working as like underdogs. But in this match, I actually thought of the two, Connor Mills looked superb uh in this one and michael ogood worked the uh the match earlier in the card looked very good too but it was it was kind of like Connor mills had the his working boots on after me half slacking him up in that uh that 229 mm. uh review I, I, he was uh he was brilliant um in this match as far as like the execution of his big spots and his being again that hopeful underdog face and i tell you what aussie open there's no one better at like Yes, the matches get silly, you know, it's it's Kurt Angle and TNA levels of kickouts before you get the end. And, you know, they slay when it comes to, to live shows and you know, I'll always say it, I've always got I'm always wary of throwing too many stars out when uh, I'm famous for giving that CCK LAX match all those stars for that progress Manchester show. But it was kind of similar to that in like if you're there live and you're going wild for for these endless, endless kickouts. That might not be to everyone's taste, but I'm telling you, no one does that better than Aussie Open. There's something about the the pace mm. that they put into the into these matches and the way they kind of keep upping the stakes with the the kickouts and the creativity of it. That like it takes it from being silly and then it kind of pushes and pushes and pushes on into being fucking great again. And every man and his uh, his dog in the in your call was uh, losing the mind um, for the near falls in this one. It was absolutely phenomenal stuff i saw people you know uh, i think it was ian that said that is you know one of the the great great york hall matches uh, i'm not 100 percent sure i'd go that far on it but i did fucking love it and yeah i thought it was a absolutely uh, incredible semi-main event mm-hmm. uh, another match i might have picked to uh, to go on last in the first half but you know it was great where it was too and yeah this was every bit worth the uh, the price of admission i'd say jp yeah echo your thoughts on that we were losing our shit during this and it was fun to do that and I completely agree with about Aussie Open I mean I was reminded with their match with the Velocities Mm. is the one from from PWA to actually win those titles and they did the title for title stuff I love the fact they recognise their PWA champions Mm. Um, I I, I just think at the same time like it's really good hearing you say about Connor Mills because I think he's someone who like uh, you know I've kind of been been higher on him than, than you so I'm kind of glad that like he's kind of really really kind of found that place and that role mm. in a company and like with Oku as well, kind of getting back into the swing of things. Like it's 
they're really good. And in London, they're, they're over. Um, so it felt like, and it's the kind of match that we really missed. Mm. It's the thing that isn't like we really took for granted on a lot of British wrestling cards was mm. this kind of silly match, which is kind of balls to the wall bonkers. And we're all losing our shit. Mm. Well, after the kind of great purge of talent, like at the same time, like those, those kind of matches are very much few and far between. So when you see them, they're really pleasant saying that I went 4.25. Cause I was like, oh, I've had a few beers. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very much wary about Cautious, like how good is it? Like live bias and stuff yeah. like that. It, I go four point two five anyway. I feel I feel like that's yeah. <laughs> you know as a proven. But it's whether or not it's that you know? four and a half star kind mm. of like it's, it's, there will be people who go like higher than that, and I can get why. Mm. It's it's higher on the app. It's four point three four on the app, mm. so it's you know it's higher than that on average. And you know, I was just looking at you know when I saw those ratings coming in, and I was looking at it and thinking how much I enjoyed that Aussie Open Young Guns match at the anniversary show in Manchester, and like that's only average out at like four point one five on the on the app. So you know, clearly people are thinking it was better than that, and I fucking loved that match. So this is making me think like, oh, I really want to see, I want to see this match now because you know four point three four. If I'm doing a list of like the best tag team matches of the year, that this that's going to be in there. You know, it's going to be up there. You know, near the top. So it's mm. you know, it's clearly a clear delivered for the live crowd yeah it did and it for me it said as well how important Aussie Open are I don't know how long they're going to be you know in the country for I'd imagine it's not going to be you know like it was when they they were outright living here for a while based on the angle at the end of the main event I think they're going to have other places to be Um, but it said like oh god like how much this show needed this I think the show like say it was overall could have done with like some kind of like you know sleeper kind of you know not a five star match but you know really killer undercar match that I don't know if it Mm. really had but you know as far as having like yeah a a crazy semi-main event or even you know you can put us the open main events easy you know if you get the right opponents with them um Mm. You know they are going to be so so important um, to Brit Res in this in this next period. Um, but yeah, how was um, how, how was Shota Rumi now? He's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's as far as I would go. I mean, yeah. It, mm. Do you know what? It, it felt kind of pretty. It, it just felt like it it was kind of plodding at points. Mm. It's like it wasn't. I think I went three stars on it because mm. that's the kind of match it was. Mm. So like, I think a lot of the high, but then, you know, Pete, you can be surprised by people coming right from, a, from excursion, say like, obviously Kazuchika Ricarda would be the great case in point, <laughs> but like, you know, on this evidence, like it felt like it, it's, there's a way to go, but it's also like, who has he been? Like the, he's been in there against Ricky Knight Jr. Now he's been in there against Dan Maloney and he's not necessarily pulled up any trees. So and he was in there against. I'm not going to repeat what I said last time about Dan Maloney because I don't want to get murdered in my sleep. But you know, he Dan Maloney is Dan Maloney. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever hugely been blown away <laughs> by big Dan Maloney matches. Some shape though, isn't it? Great. Oh yeah, on those, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. I was at the bar for the most of this, Gareth. So you know, I can't. I can't yeah, tell well. you. Yeah, I've got no, I've got no, <laughs> no it, opinion on this. <laughs> it, it was fine. Like, but I, I, it just didn't stand out enough for me. Mm. Tell you what did stand out though that main event, uh, Ricky Knight Jr. and Will Ospreay. Ta- again, I repeat myself, but the the Ricky Knight Jr. project that Red Pro have done, it's worked. You know, Osprey yeah. Osprey came out, and you know whether you love to hear this or not, he 
got a reaction. You know, it wasn't, yep. you know, that misleading clip from Manchester. It was, you know, he came out off as a star, you know, a lot of heat because he's playing up to, to being a heel and maybe for other reasons as well for some. But, you know, he got a star level reaction and probably, you know, as you said in the daily update, JP, more cheers than maybe people would want to, to know happened. But, mm. you know, he came out, out as champion, came across as a champion. And what I'd say for Ricky Knight Jr. in this match is he came across maybe not as Osprey's equal, but as a star in his own right as well. And that came right from the entrance to the match itself. Um, Ricky Knight Jr., you know, shouldn't be by rights main event in York Hall shows based on, you know, where he was the last time we went to a York Hall, you know, last February. Like that is, you got to keep that in mind that they've done this build with him through you know the pandemic and through those you know youtube and twitch shows and the and the like and you know i I was a little bit going in thinking you know are people really watching that stuff are people even watching the 229 or or cockpit shows to the point that you know how many times that happened jp you know you 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 know especially you know back in the day when you and joe would go to a lot of cockpit shows and you get to your call and it's a completely different audience and the guys that are maybe over in the cockpit aren't quite over in your call he was over like a main eventer, um, yeah. you know, and people, if people knew it or not going in, you know, I think they definitely believed in him coming out. Feel like I jinxed it when we did the uh, the weekend preview, JP, and we talked about uh, who was going to win this match, and I was quite firmly of the opinion that, that Osprey would and should go over, mm. um, and that is what happened in the end, but I tell you what, they did a really good job of, I mean, Osprey gave Ricky Knight Jr. a lot, and I mean a lot of near falls. Yeah. Um, not just that uh, that gift that's doing the rounds, the uh, the the cutter, which I'll be I'll admit a pop four where Osprey jumped from the guardrail to the apron and then did the uh, we're on the other side. Yeah, so we, we didn't, didn't see, see the else. kind of like contrived nature of it. It was very like we're on the other side of the ring. Look, Ricky Knight Jr. might have been stepping up to the guardrail to hit an offensive maneuver of his own. I don't think it's that hard to explain away. It is a bit, you know, it was a bit silly. But you know, aside from that, no, genuinely, there were big near four moments for for Ricky Knight yeah. Jr. Osprey gave him loads, you know, including you know a moment where Ricky Knight Jr. outright pinned Osprey uh, outright had Osprey done and picked him up at the two count um, they gave him everything they possibly could but at the end of the day I think Osprey had to win because you know as much as I'll sing the praises of Ricky Knight Jr. if you have a, you know next York Hall show who would he wrestle like that's the problem right now it's the golfing class from between the, the very top of the card and underneath I don't think you can put that belt mm. on Ricky Knight Jr. yet although I think it's coming you know you can go down the rematch route I suppose and you can do it still this way but you know I think for, for business I think it probably does make sense to, to stick with Osprey now but there was every bit of evidence in this match I thought JP that yeah Ricky Knight Jr.'s uh, day is definitely going to be coming Oh, absolutely. I mean, the last time we were at a York Hall show, it was he was wrestling Robbie X, mm. and that was an excellent match. That was like the undercard sleeper for that show. Always been impressed by Ricky Knight Jr. from what I've seen of him. And like you say, the project, I think it's worked. Mm. I mean, the real test is when he's trying to draw by himself. Mm. But in terms of getting that, that hardcore fan base, mm. that RevPro fan base to believe that he's a main eventer, I think they've done that. Mm-hmm. done a hell of a job of it and and so has he mm-hmm. he's completely you know to use that awful phrase he's taken the ball and run with it mm-hmm. um it, it's it just in terms of he matched up with osprey mm-hmm. is how it felt and i know it's like os like he osprey was working at a high level mm-hmm. here really throwing himself into it and ricky knight jr completely kept up all the way as well and then you talked me around like i said it to you i was like i know you've talked me around now 
Like it mm. makes sense for Osprey to win mm. when you kind of break down the logical factors of wh- where do you go to next, mm. and that's the next step. And that's a slightly more difficult one: is who do you build up? Like you know, who else are you going to put in there? Um, and like I said, I'm kind of guided. I missed that angle afterwards because that's something that we would have like sort of said at the time is a is a kind of natural fit mm. for United Empire as well. Mm. Suggests if it's. If they're off, are they going to be in the tag league? If they're able to get in Japan, like would they go into that? And that's normally around December. I think that's what's happening. Like, so yeah, so people don't, that that is what happened. You know, after the match, they've they've been doing a lot, haven't they? With like, uh, and I really, I actually, oh yeah, watched a bit of the the last two two nine show where Osprey. Uh, and the young guns teamed up in a match. I love them as I love them as his little um, you know assassins type of thing. It was like as much as I was the one kind of going. Ah, I don't know about young guns as heels. Seeing them in the flesh as heels, like I said in that match with Oku and Mills, I was like, oh, okay, actually this could work. But it was all a swerve. Um, Osprey, uh, all this talk about uh, taking them on uh, for the United Empire. It was in fact uh, Aussie Open. Um, the candidate did a double turn um, with Aussie Open uh, well, coming out and uh, attacking uh, Ricky Knight Jr. and attacking uh, the Young Guns and attacking uh, Shota Rumino. Um, and, uh, and joined an Osprey side. I think actually thinking about it, that was probably always coming. Um, and we've been saying it for years, haven't we? You want to see Aussie Open in, in New Japan? They could definitely offer something to Tag League. I think they'd be a great fit um, with Osprey in, in that stable as well. So yeah, that made sense. And it, you know, while you know the Young Guns will be fine. Um, I saw Voices of Wrestling tweet that you know because it did make them look a little silly that they were like Osprey's like heel, you know, hired guns, and then they've been turned on. So like they they're going to presumably be baby faces now um but at the end of the day as voices said on in that tweet they're mixing it up with at the top of the card with osprey and aussie open and they're gonna be absolutely fucking fine and like i say it sets up you know how many six bands can you get out of that ricky knight and the young guns you know shoto umino and the young guns against osprey and aussie open like that's some fun main events for the next few uh, weeks of shows yeah Chucking those lads in there, absolutely delighted with it because I actually thought in the in the opener they worked as heels in the four way tag match, mm. and they won that and they were great. Mm. And we're talking about I've seen them work as faces mm. and they're great. Mm. I've seen them work as heels and they're surprised for me. I think they're surprisingly good. Yeah, and they're at a ridiculously young age. Mm. So like it, this is kind of really great grounding. We sort of begged and pleaded for a long time. It's like these are the kind of people that, that Andy needs to go with. Mm. And he's got them in there and they've delivered mm-hmm. and he's like pushing them up there. And I think they're going to end up getting over. And I think they're, it gives them a Manchester act. If they're looking to seriously get into the Northwest and Manchester as well, it gives them like a good set of young local lads that they can go to as well. Mm-hmm. And if this also keeps open the door for them, like being involved with Osprey and stuff, it keeps that sort of going to Japan thing. Although weirdly would new Japan be the best place for them necessarily to go to. Cause they're kind of like even weight wise, regardless of booking stuff, which obviously is an issue, but weight wise, they're sort of too big to be juniors. Certainly Luke, Luke Jacobs is, but they're too small to be heavies. So there, there is that kind of factor as well, but um, just seeing them up they there. They get there eventually though. Or oh, somewhere they will get there. You know, it'll happen. Yeah. I'm sure of it. It's yeah. just, it's just, it's just great to see or you know, hear them in the mix with these guys. You know, yes. just, just being future shock and, and the like, young guns, isn't it? Uh, Mixing it up with this top level New Japan stuff, and and then and also like obviously their involvement with that 
Aussie Open stuff and the Osprey stuff, given the wider Rev Pro audience a reason to get behind them. You know, the crowd was always going to be behind them in Manchester, but now now they've given them a reason for the York All crowd to get behind them if they do put them six-mans or tagged matches in the future as well, you know, sort of thing. So it does, it really just opens the door for them, doesn't it, to really, like, kick on throughout the next probably 12 months if they if they stick there and then if, you know, Aussie Open is still around and they're just getting to work more and more with them as well and working with them as the babyface side of things as well then again we talked about okay it's all well and good having these lads who are good but we need them to be able to like work up and work with people who are better than them and you know get that exposure to different people they can't just be working the same lads at future shock every week and tnt every week and things like that they need some new faces and you know by getting them booked down south and then also getting booked you know presumably as as the world opens up a bit more with the different talent rev pro is going to bring in does feel like the perfect setting for them with uh, the age that that they are as well, and 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 like you say, the the contacts that they're going to make for, you know, the next steps in their career. Hopefully, in uh, hopefully in Japan and not in uh, Connecticut. That'd be a horrible place for them to end up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, the connect is horrible. I have no idea about that, but <laughs> I, I heard good things about that uh, that match the other progress show. You know, we were slagging it off on the weekend show last week. JP Barron, that single yeah. match was, uh, but it was them two in us. So of course, it was good. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear about them on Rev Pro or, or potentially New Japan or, or or elsewhere uh, shows at some point. So yeah, hopefully those days are coming. But yeah, I mean, I say those and give me a card with those two matches on it, and I'll be happy. The one thing I'd kind of say about this car, JP, was like, it felt like the shell of a proper Brit Res company was there. Like, you know, uh, it kind of like, it's not all the way there yet. I did, like I say, I thought the first half of the show, there wasn't much to write home about. It was missing that, you know, that fun on the car. It was kind of missing where, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. would have been, you know, in the past. It was missing that, really, uh, on the card. To be honest, you know, for a big York Hall show, and, you know, Will said that in the chat there, they did great, you know, if the number is four to 500 or so, considering there were no imports. But, you know, add a couple of imports to this core roster you've got, and you're looking, you know, similar to, 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 to what uh, what Rev Pro offered. Mm. Not, not even proper imports. He offered a couple of, you know, AEW, you know, cast-offs. You know, you offer, you offer some people who aren't getting used on Dark, you know, if uh, that relationship can get going with Rev Pro, that's, you know... All, all immediately, you know, more interesting than the other stuff going on in in Brit Res where all the uh, all the cards look the same. But did you have any huge notes on the uh, the rest of the, the undercard, JP, and any anything else particularly uh, stand out to you? I mean, I've mentioned the four way tag opener because it was your standard kind of all action affair with lots of stuff going on, and it was perfectly good fun. Mm. And like you know, and I think you had the young guns in there, kind of doing a really good job healing it up and stealing the victory and the rest of it. So I I, I kind of really enjoyed that i thought the women's match was a lot better than i thought and and hyan got a lovely kind of send-off as well which yeah was really i didn't nice. realize she was leaving yeah so she's gone back to yeah America, hasn't she? she's gone back to america two month run just like i mean not very old at all i thought her and gazelle shaw just sort of worked worked really fucking hard which is something about gazelle shaw sometimes the matches aren't always there she works absolutely works her ass off like she really does. She really, really is does a app like does her best. And I think this is when you get into the imports that you'd hope with the new Japan relationship you can get a couple of stardom 
wrestlers over mm. because again i think there's there's that audience you can get for it but it's the better people mm. who can get to work with gazelle shaw and i think if that's what you're looking to do and looking to kind of build people up that that's definitely a, di- a direction for them to go in so i would i would say pretty much those two that i was in the the queue thank god really for yota suji and, and mark Casson. i like yota suji's gear and that fan he has yeah, it's good he has a good look about him mm. um but yeah, I didn't see it, and you did. So um, I'm trying to think, what was the other match on there as well? Uh, Oku, was... Robbie Axon, uh, and Chris Ridgeway. Um, the three-way match. Hey. It was what you described. Three-star spot mm. fest. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really expect much out of it and didn't get much out of it as much as you know, yeah. I'm a fan of the of, of uh, particularly Oku and Robbie Axon that match. Maybe not so much Ridgeway. I don't know on Ridgeway. I can't. You can't interest me with Chris Ridgeway. I don't know what it. It's like it's the Haskins thing. He's a hey, company as finest. He's clearly a good wrestler. He is. He's clearly a. Ta- he's had a great influence on the young guns. I'm not going to complain. I just don't really want to watch him. <laughs> I just don't find him interesting. He needs. Sorry. He needs to be in Japan. Mm. Like he was at the makings of like a kind of a nice Noah run. Mm. there when he was there last time and he improved a good bit mm. and i think him not being there as well is something that is like like i think that would be the thing that perhaps helped him kick on a bit mm. yeah that that match doesn't sound like a chris ridgeway match though to me those yeah. those opponents like yeah. you want you yeah. want to see you want to see him in there kicking the shit out of somebody back and forward you know like just yeah. knocking the hell out of each other that just when you read that read those three names out there i was thinking hmm, that doesn't sound like a good mm. a good fit for him anyway yeah, yeah, it was a strange one. Really, it was kind of like that—that's where, like, I think a singles match, like, would have, you know, given Oku Robbie X as the singles match on the undercard. I think would have been a lot more fun. Yeah. Or I know that's telling this story with Oku and, and Mills, but you know, not using Oku, forcing Oku to to wrestle twice on the card. I don't know what that made the made, made things a little bit um, more interesting, but. Yeah, I don't know what you do about the Ridgeway thing. Like, I'd probably book him too if I was Brett Roten in twenty twenty one. He's, you know, there's not, it's not like we're uh, we're spoiled for choice. Like, but yeah, he's uh, he's just not for me. Um, one thing I would say actually, I would just on that opener note. I know you've uh, we've already sang enough the praise of the young ones and uh, JP has too. Um, in going over over in that uh, that fatal four way, Sunshine Machine, Chuck Bamba, TK Cooper. Yeah, really enjoy that act. Like, uh, still, you know, there's still that part of me that's gonna say, you know, TK Cooper should be better than this and should have made it or whatever. But it's a fun, you know, babyface tag team act. I like them. Uh, you know, they've got some creative stuff. I love that spot where. Um, uh, Cooper goes on Mambo's shoulders and he launches him over the top rope. That's great. And they've got a lot of like fun stuff. Like the odd time I'm forced to watch progress for a BWE duty, they kind of stand out there as well. Um fun little tag team act. Do you know what I'd go a lot? I'd completely yeah. Noted Chuck Mambo fan I, JP Hulan. I know. I've completely turned, but do you know what I would say about them? They've worked their socks off to make themselves into kind of like a really serious tag team because I thought they were, they were, when I saw them in Bristol, I thought they were very good. Um, uh, and they were in the opener there. And I thought how much they kind of improved just the sort of general things like footwork and ring work about them as well. They're like a lot more assured mm. in how, and how they are and how they carry themselves. Mm. I think there's things with the gimmick where it, like they need to take up to the serious level. That's the next stage of it. But you're mentioning at the moment as a fun act, kind of establishing themselves, they're there. And if you put them, in a match on a smaller show against a destination everywhere or an Aussie open or a young guns, you're in for a fun match. Mm. And you got four teams there in a tag division where you're going, that's 
by Brit, by the standards of the talent we have out there, that's pretty damn good. Mm. Not really argue. And there's more teams out there as well. Because it was Brendan White and Doug Williams. Doug Williams was in this match, wasn't it? Was it? a dad and lad team. Not quite on Sting and Darley yeah. level, but you know, <laughs> it works. <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, in the in the in the crowd as well was uh, was was our mate uh, Anthony Agogo too. Uh, uh, yeah, the Rev Benro uh, ra- ra- raving about uh, Rev Pro at that uh, that AW party of the week and uh, and made the trip. Eh? If uh, if it was possible for him to be in the mix, I think that'd be fun too. Um, but yeah, like I say, there was plenty of reason to be uh, to be positive. I think about uh, about maybe not Brit Res as a whole, but I think yeah about uh, Rev Pro and yeah. I'd, as much as I hate your call <laughs> as a venue, and I was reminded I hate your call as a venue. You um, fooled myself into thinking I was excited to be there again. Um, there was enough there to make me probably uh, make the trip again. And uh, if they put on a, a lineup as interesting as this next time, yeah, I'll be there in the next one. Indeed. Well, anywho, um, moving on from there, we get into uh, other stuff we've uh, we've been watching, and yeah, we have got some time, lads. So we can do some tournament catch up. Um, I haven't seen minute one of the uh, the G one, even though I did see some people wow. um, giving some pushback to uh, to mine and and Alan and Rich Creatures' uh, comments going into the tournament after apparently a good first couple of days and some uh, some good matches there. But I know uh, you lads have uh, been cherry picking, and I will be doing a, a bit of a catch up now that I'm. Uh, I'm back at home uh, this week, but yeah, I heard uh, relatively positive things about uh, some matches early on, especially in the uh, the first two days. How much you seen, JP? So of the so like obviously I've seen the big two matches from mm. day one and, and day two as well. So I've saw pretty much all of day one. Well, there's stuff that he was on, and I was like, I can't devote the time to this as well. But I mean, really, the big match of like day one, and I went four and a half on this was Ishii versus Shingo. Mm. And in some ways, it's one of the more predictable four and a half star ratings that you'd ever give to a match as well, because it's exactly what you'd expect to be. Ishii was Ishii and Shingo was Shingo. Mm. It was big lads knocking seven shades of shit out of each other. And it was never dull. They were like, obviously, like it was the sense of like Ishii having that striking advantage. But then he's, he's, his selling is amazing. It's just absolutely fucking incredible. He goes from selling like he's dead to no selling everything in a very quick period of time and you completely go along with it it's it's quite remarkable and it was like and there was a great sort of exchange when they're doing just sort of like belly to back suplexes on each other and getting down but they're sort of knackered and it's all these sort of tests of strength but it was the thing that you would hope they're going to do a lot of really in this week which is Shingo in the main event having the best match of the night um outside of that I looked at this and I thought it was better than what I thought it would be, like generally from that A block, because it's day one mm. and they're going to put them push the boat out. And I think that's the thing you have to say. And I said to you at the time, it's like, wait till day eight. Mm. Wait till we're like eight rounds into this fucking thing and what state they're going to be in. So Yujiro versus Kotorobushi, which I think I went two and a half stars on, that's as good as a Yujiro match is going to be in this tournament. We've seen it. And it wasn't that great. He won clean. Kotorobushi doesn't look quite there yet. Um, they Peter out as well, which is really like a throwback to the Benny Hill era, um, as you could imagine. She was wearing fuck all, I might add. Honestly. It's a point where, like, honestly, like she has a thong on. You wouldn't really know. 
to be honest with you. He disappears up her ass. And you're just like, lads, lads, what year is this? Fucking hell, like. But anyway, um, yeah, the other stuff on there, day one, I was, you know, Toriana Cantor, I just written down comedy bollocks. Great O'Conn, Tangelo went, was bored, okay at best. Like, <laughs> um, the Naito stuff is interesting because he lost to Zach and now he's out Fucked of the everyone's tournament. Pick-ups. I'm glad I didn't do him now. I, I was gutted when I got, I got to London on Friday hey, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Pickums. I just forgot. I just completely forgot. I could have done that on the train and so that's how interested I am in the G1 this year. But it's fucked everyone anyway. Naito's, uh, it's all losses now, isn't it? Yeah. And it's all like, although here's a simple angle. You just put Hiromu in. He's in LIJ. Doesn't get to be in the G1. You could even go all the way with him in a monster push, and the fans would completely go along with it. Mm. What an opportunity! Mm. No, can't do that. Can't mess with the fucking spreadsheet. The issue is, even at this early stage, the tropes are the same. The formula feels the same. You, Ibushi loses what the first three, comes back, wins the rest, so he's there for the the last day. We've seen all this stuff before, and I've got nothing here that's going to convince me of otherwise. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose I could go on to day two, but I don't know if Gareth's watched any of that first day. Yeah, I watched. I watched the two like last matches on 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 day one. So I watched the Zach and Naito match, which again, like really enjoyed. Like it was, you know, four star match. You know, it was a match mm. that felt like you'd you'd seen before a bit. Um but you know, again it was it was one of those where I thought like Zach really looked on top of his game and given that I haven't been watching a lot of New Japan recently, it was kind of just that little nudge and a reminder of, you know, how good Zack Sabre Jr. is and how much I enjoy watching Zack Sabre Jr. So that was one that you know again it made me think like, oh, maybe I'll probably watch every Zach match in the G one or things, you know, where you were like looking for things where windows of interest or windows of, you know, opportunity to watch a bit more of this. That was one that definitely kind of like whetted my appetite. Um, and and looking at that on the app, it's at like 4.18. So again, people who've watched that have enjoyed it, you know, even more than I did there. And again, that Shingo Ishii match, I really liked it. I was surprised people went as high as they did, to be honest. Like I, I give it 4.25. It's averaging out at like 4.62. I was seeing some really like high ratings going for that one. And like, again, it was it was what you'd expect. You know, if you, you literally write down those names with a verses next to each other on the card, you know what you're getting kind of thing. I think for, for me, maybe just didn't live up to some of the other matches that I'd in the past. Like I can remember they, they had a G1 match in 2019. That was one of my matches of the year that year where I, I just felt like, I don't know, it just had a bit more to it. It just felt like they were going out a bit more and, and whether or not it was maybe just a crowd factor or something like that. I don't know. I just didn't kind of get lost and absorbed in, in, in this one as much as, as I did for that um, 2019 match. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a, it was a fucking good match. It was Ishii and, um, Shingo knocking the shit out of each other, which is again, it's always always going to be good. But it just, yeah, it just didn't have that extra little something to just uh, suck me into in, in, into that one a bit more. But I literally went straight to those those two matches. I wasn't touching anything that went uh, went before it. And, and on, on 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 night two, um, I literally just watched the main. Like I think it from memory was it Goto Taichi was that the semi main and I, I considered yeah, watching considered watching that I didn't watch it I just went straight to Nakada Tanahashi and watched that and again 
really good match for me. You know, four point two five obviously didn't yep. deliver up to, you know, some of their other you know classics that they've had in the past. You know, but obviously still a very very strong match. I think the biggest takeout for me from this one is just. Akada looked fucking good, and like he looked in great shape. He's dropped a bit of, um, he's dro- dropped a bit of weight, and I think he looks really good for it. And he's moving a lot better for it. I think in the in the ring, he just he almost just looks like a little bit like a younger weight, a younger worker. It looks like he's just knocked a couple of couple of years off him or something like that. It just feels like he's just a bit fresher and a bit more smooth and things like that in his movements. So um, again, whether that's a, that's had an impact in the last couple of years, but watching Ricardo work in this match, I just thought like, like, yeah, fucking hell. You, you forget what a fucking great worker he is and what a superstar he is. He looked like a superstar, you know, his, his, his whole, his whole presentation from his walk to the ring, to the gear he had on again, like I say, to the, to the shape he was in. And then just like the, the, the time and then, timing of some of those spots and you know certainly like you know the way the the, the match ended with the finish with the the drop kick tombstone and then rainmaker it was just it, it just felt like classic card and you just felt a little bit like hmm, there's something here about that that's been missing for the last couple of years and and again that was something that again as i'm looking for these what's the things what's the hooks that's going to hook me back into the g1 a bit more or hook me back into new japan in general a bit more and again seeing a carder again in this um, in, in in this setting and performing in this way that was another thing that just got me thinking like oh yeah i could be right here for another uh, another bigger carder run a carder on top being a genuine superstar with a, a few a few different opponents if they can uh, if they can somehow manage to shuffle the deck and give us those that's how I felt like with that. I was like, oh, it's about time. We're due another big Okada singles run around the top. And I think him and Shingo is an absolutely fascinating dynamic as well for that at the same time. And there's this another spot there that's freed with Naito not being around and given his record with knee injuries before. I mean, the last time he suffered that really bad one when he first went as a single. So like it does make you wonder and, They've always he's always been kind of um, you know a, an injury away from something bad happening, but yeah, that main event it, it, it was like they put two matches on in the main events that you were going to deliver regardless of the booking, and they were fun to watch. Um, I d- refused to watch Sonada versus Tamatonga. <laughs> there was no way in it. I went absolutely not. I should have just no gone to Greg's, and then I would have had the spirit of watching that. Yeah, yeah, it would have been would have been better, I'd imagine. I imagine there'll be some people going, oh, it was really good. I'll be like, well, I'll never know because I'll never see it. Like, it, it it won't happen. I just want to give a shout out for Yoshihashi because he, he was up against evil. Evil was shit and he was evil. Yoshihashi was really going for it and he was actually, believe it or not, showing a bit of emotion in the face. Like, and he appears to be, he also appears to have trimmed down a bit and looks to be in good shape. Um, and the crowds were into him. They were into the near falls. They were into the big moments that he had in the match. Obviously, every time evil's on top, it kind of drags things down. But I thought that was good for the person who's probably, what, fourth, fifth best in that block, depending on the, on your point of view. Um, and I saw Jeff Cobb versus Chase Owens, which I thought, it was better than what I thought, and I and I thought as much as anything else, it's setting up Cobb. I think he's in for a big G one run. Mm. They really did you, like did, him. Did you watch any 
this morning's at all, JP. Have you caught no. any of that? Have you seen any spoil have you seen any spoilers for it? No. No, okay. Why he asked, he asked, no, no, it was just because the, the main obviously like Zach against Shingo. And um it's 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 a match that's you know it's really highly rated on that it's like averaging at four and a half on the app currently. And yeah. again, if we're gonna go, you know, if give spoilers, I suppose, is uh, is like Zach Beaton and like to me okay. how's there where you talk about like that's two two on two on the bounce there for Zach and you know, who talk about like freshening it up and a, a different about face. And Zach Zach's someone who they've you know they've obviously given New Japan Cup wins and things to in the past and you know, he's someone there looking to be I think the shape he was in. He looked like he'd 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 put a little bit of weight on for me. He looked a bit thicker and things than he normally you know normally did when I was watching him in that night oh match the the other day and I was thinking, yeah, here we go. Um, if if we're looking for someone here who maybe hasn't had that run at the very top of the, you know, sustained run at the top of the card, is someone who's over there, is someone who they've given big wins to in the past, then again, if this is someone, you know, through this tournament there with the start they've given him, if they're looking to, um, you know, use him a bit more and to freshen things up going into the back end of the year and into next year, again, there's, a, uh, there's, there's another uh, reason to be interested as well. Maybe I'm hunting too far. Maybe I maybe I don't want to let go enough, kind of thing. I don't know, but I'm just uh, I am I'm, I'm trying to cling to these branches to uh, pull me back in. Well, it's it's an interesting one with him because he's obviously been around during the pandemic as well. So there's that sense of probably like Cobb, where you kind of reward them for staying around, and at least it's fresh up there because I mean it's it's a long time since that new new Japan um, new Japan Cup run and the match against um, Akada, and that was all great. And we remember just being so sort of shell shocked at the time of like these. Because he beat Abushi, Tanahashi, and Akada, didn't he? No, um, oh, I don't know who else in there. It might have been Naito even. So he'd like beat all the big names on the way mm-hmm. to winning it. So, you know, you could do it. It freshens it up. It's not evil. So, and it's not Sonada, which means I'd be perfectly happy with that. Excited to see you. I wish. Yeah, <laughs> no. you're buzzing, aren't you, mate? Oh, the idea of even so, I feel, I feel, I'm not as much of a completist as Gareth, but I'm like, I can't just jump in like this weekend. I'm gonna have to go back. I just can't let it get too out of hand. Like there are, but you no, know, as, as you've said, there are well-rated matches on Grapple, aren't there? There are, you know, for cherry pickers like me, there is reason, you know, to go back and and watch some of the matches you've mentioned. I think so. I, They're all good matches. Every one of them was really, yeah. you know, was really good. Very, very enjoyable. And mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, if if you're doing that and you're going, you know, what I'm going to spend, you know, an hour and a half watching those three matches as opposed mm-hmm. to spending whatever, you know, six hours watching the full shebang, then it's a definitely uh, yeah. feels like a more intelligent uh, use of time. I think for uh, mm-hmm. for this particular G one. There you go. It's you have to do that. Handy. Mm. Yeah, it's one of them years, JP. Long gone are the days where me and you would try and watch everything. It's not happening this year. No, it's not, and there's no way it would have happened. I mean, it took me some build up to get around to watching these. Mm. I won't lie; it was like, right, okay, really need to be kind of in the mood. And then when I did watch those match, well, the stuff I did watch, I kind of enjoyed. Mm. And then if you just go, no, I'm not going to watch any of this. And in some ways, let the I'm letting the grapple app be the guide. Mm-hmm. Rather like stuff with the all the tournaments, like the N one and the Stardom stuff. Like you're always gonna like kind of go to the app and say, okay, yeah. Well, how's things been going on the, that side? You've been watching much M one, Gareth? 
Yeah, I've been trying to uh, try and keep up with that. Obviously, we said we delayed the recording this week. It was my wedding anniversary on Tuesday, and here you go. He's the key to a happy marriage. Um, Tuesday night, uh, Sarah, on our wedding anniversary, Sarah sat in one room listening to Everton QPR in the Carabao Cup on the radio, and I sat in the other room watching, catching up on a bit of the uh, the N one. So uh, there you go. There's a there's a little inside secret to fourteen years of a uh, fourteen years of happy marriage. Uh, just split your hobbies, even on your anniversary. Um, but yeah, there's. Uh, there's, there's something that I think we talked about last week about some of the the uh, night one matches that we'd seen, but you know I, I think so far I've caught up and I've seen um, night two, and you know there was there was there was three matches on there that I you know particularly enjoyed. There was the uh, um, Katara Suzuki Sakuraba match, which was really good, you know, grappling battle for me. You know, there was just some real nice. Um, Leg locks that were bad, that were uh, looked. <laughs> Sorry, I can see you smirking, Benno, as I say that, but very, uh, you know, just, 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 uh, just very realistic, just very realistic, just very, you know, looking like that, you know, they're working the holds, you know, it's uh, they're really just, um, you know, as you'd expect with the uh, with, with these two guys, there were a lot of hard hitting strikes and you know, just a lovely reverse armbar from Saka, Sakuraba for a submission there. You know, I, I went three and a half on on that match. It's a, it's average out at three on the app but you know I, I i really enjoyed that and um i think the, the match that came after this was the uh misaki mokuzuki against uh, uh daiki and arba match which again i went three and a half stars on you know it's averaging out about three three point three six but this was just a match where they just knocked the living shit out of each other for you know, slightly over 10 minutes there was a great last sort of like three to five minute stretch with some Real, you know, top suplexes, top suplex counters, you know, lovely dragon suplex, Mokuzuki um, um, hit. But again, you know, looked at both these matches and it was, you know, one was like, you know, for, you know, 14, 15 minutes, one was sort of 11, 12 minutes, just inaccessible, just in and out, just good fun to watch and just, you know, offering something a bit different there. But the uh, the one on, on this card that I, I just really thoroughly enjoyed was, um, it was the, um, main event on this one, and it was uh, Manabe Sawyer against uh, Keo Kamiya. Kamiya came out with, you know, black hair, dark gear, totally changed his look, you know, a much more serious um, look. And um, again, I think the performance that that lad put on in this match was was absolutely top class. It was real top-notch stuff. Like throughout the match, he basically just got dominated. He was hammered. His back was just continuously just getting destroyed. And, you know, he was he was really like fighting, on, you know, from underneath and a lot of, you know, desperation attempts to, you know, get back into it. But you just saw that real kind of, real heart and that real fire and, you know, the, the fighting spirit, I suppose, from Kami coming back into it. And, you know, at the end there, there was just an awesome near fall where he, you know, he'd landed a brain buster and then, he, you know, followed it up with a, a, a straight jacket German to get the, the three. And again, I went four stars on this match. It was 25 minutes long, but just the way, the, the, the way it was worked, I thought it was, the match was just put together perfectly. And I just thought that the performance, from from uh, Kiamir again. He's someone who every time I see him, he just keeps keeps seeming to just improve, you know, every single time. And I think this kind of like, you know, new look and new seriousness almost about him. I think again, it just adds that something extra to him and just like adds that element of a bit more star quality to it to him as well. You know, so again, this was a this was a day on night two that I just thought, yeah, I'm um, having enjoyed night one. 
thoroughly enjoyed night two. I was thinking, I'm all in on this tournament. This is definitely one that I'm following start to finish. And um, oh. I intended to try and uh, intended to try and catch up on night three before tonight's show, but I didn't manage it yet. But it's definitely a definitely um, you know a couple of shows that I'll be wa- watching this weekend. And you'll be pleased to know, Benno, that I'll report back next week on a, a bit more of the N one for you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, hi. I wasn't asleep. Hello. No. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, Sounds like you're having a great time. I'm really happy for you. I tell you what, you get back to your sunshine machine, mate. <laughs> That's where the uh, yeah. Gareth's the love of is. Noah is something that I just like really enjoy. Gareth getting into Noah just mm. in, in and of itself, and I think you enjoy it not as much as me getting into stardom, though, eh, Ben? <laughs> How much stardom um, you watch? I haven't Have seen any. I haven't, no, I haven't caught up in any. I watched. Wait for it. Do you know what was on that's been criminally ignored in all this Arthur Ashe nonsense? MLW Fusion Alpha Episode 1 was on. What's that? I don't even know what that is. That. Well, it's... Here we go. It's... Um, I don't know what it is. It's basically... I'm assuming... MLW, it's on MLW 6.0. Fusion Alpha, where basically <laughs> they had Dario Cueto talking to Tom Lawler in an office in a very kind of like low rent version of how those scenes in Lucha Underground used to go. And it's all from the the tapings there. They had an incredibly long match featuring the Von Eriks versus Kevin Koo and Kit Osborne of the of Team Filthy. It's MLW bollocks, but I will say it's the best match of the Von Eriks I've ever seen. I don't know. I'd ever gone more than two and a half, and it was a bunkhouse brawl. So the usual cheating, Benno, from the the old Von Eriks on that front. They don't they don't wrestle matches because they can't. <laughs> They're fucking jacked to the gills. But I will say, TJP versus Davy Richards mm. was a really fun match, and that was the main event. And they went in with that. So I would recommend that. They're back. They're still contra unit. They're building up to the big Vice TV show, Fightland, which is featuring Hammerstone versus Jacob Fatu for the title. Big match there, Benno. Um, not having any of this stuff at all. It was, do you know what? It was fun. And it was like, it's still MLW, but mm. like, hell, I enjoyed it. Like, and I would say it, that main event, I'd even go, I'd even go tickling three and a half for that one. Mm. That's how much fun that was. Cool. Yeah. Glow it. MLW. Glow I've got other stuff, Mark. I could talk about GCW, but new one match from New Japan Strong I watch if yeah, you want go me for to. It. Well, Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin, mm. I should say. I think that's how they pronounce it. Um, versus Tomohiro Ishii, which obviously mm. was taped in those studios, but they had a few fans in. Mm. And fuck me, like Coughlin is someone who re- every time I see him and they're doing a series with him on, of matches here, he's Honestly, to God, he's got something, this mm. guy. Like, he's got the look. There's the kind of intensity in the facials and the real credibility with his wrestling. And a lot of it was like, can he basically stand up to Tomohiro Ishii, which he does. So, like, you know, the result's never in doubt. You know what's going to happen. You know what it's building up to. But all the other stuff in the build-up, like, and Ishii gave him a lot as well. So, like, they're really doing a job with this guy. And he's the kind of guy, you see him get into Japan if they get the kind of look right, and I like generally like the facial hair and stuff like that, because I think it really works for him. And that, that I think, like, we all talked about Fredericks. This one could really be the guy in his own, like, in terms of getting over. 
Um, so I'd recommend that. Alex Kozlov still on commentary. <laughs> yep. Ruining the fucking show. He's so bad. Yeah. At least he's dropped the accent for the most part. He's fucking crap, though. <laughs> still, it was, I mean, there was no potato salad incident from like last week, uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. When it was Daniel Garcia versus Josh Alexander, for fuck's sakes. And he just likes all single. I'm not going to commentate on this match. I'm going to talk bullshit. And Kelly went along with it as well. For shame, mm. Kevin. Um, the only thing I saw from GCW, I haven't seen, for, I also, for shame, haven't seen Jonathan Gresham, Minoru Suzuki, but I did watch Ron Funches versus Tony Deppard. <laughs> but a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? some pub, didn't they? They had, um, yeah, it was all over the place, that. Oh, I did a great promo package using the James Corden stuff there. Mm. He did a Canadian Destroyer to him. He's not at, like, he was a lot bigger, Ron Funches. He's mm. not athletic mm. at all. There was a lot of bullshit in there mm. as well that was happening. But Deppin is an absolute fucking pro for making it all look great. I mean, he wrestled a lot of the match with his ass out because he pulled down his trunk. So it was, a lot of it was kind of like nonsense. And then there was another comedian who turned on Ron Funches who ended up being chased around the ring by Alley Cat with a knife. And I saw her on AEW Doc. She's awful. Mm-hmm. Just throw that in there. Um, yeah, very like, it was just a weird, goofy GCW match mm. that was kind of fun. And it went, it went about 20 odd minutes and Ron Funches did look knackered by the end. But he looked in he looked in better shape than what Lawrence Taylor did after Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania <laughs> 9, was it? Yeah. Right. I forget. The, yeah, the building towards um, Nick Gage and Minoru Suzuki GCW, apparently. I saw that. Uh, Fuck yeah. I, have an, uh, cool, I know. The, the match graphic's going to be better than the match. <laughs> you know, the idea of it is going to be better than the reality, everyone. Because yes. Suzuki's not going to be taking any of Gage's stuff, and Gage is not going to look good trying to do Suzuki stuff. I don't know how that match gets worked, honestly. Yeah. JP, have you, have you watched that Fred J. Hijack Alexander from AEW yet? No, I haven't. And I have got that. Getting a lot of talk, that hasn't it? Yeah, watch it. Yeah, (laughs) we'll do for that. Brilliant. Anything else? Good matches out there. Mm, I've heard it's a bit. It's a good week. I don't know if we want to go into it this week because I think we were talking about talking about next week. But I did see Dark Side of the Ring. But I think we might end up talking that and the Chris Canyon one together because it feels like they're kind of peas in a pod, really, aren't they? Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say. I've, I was going to say. I've, I've seen it. We can talk it. But yeah, if you I don't want know to if wait. I want to go into it after this show. It's been, it's been quite nice and generally upbeat. Like it, it was, it was fucking horrific. But let's say we'll save it with the Chris Canning one for next week. I also think it's a slower week next week. Mm. Yeah, slower week next week. So we'll we'll get the Chris Canning one in, which in its own, which in its own way will be equally horrific. Mm. I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah. <laughs> going to be a undertaker's not going to come out looking good flair again better get that notes up apology ready <laughs> undertaker looks like a cunt like anytime it's not a wwe fund like even is to be fair his own documentary looked like a fucking cunt so yeah i know i am i'm actually you know as much as it's horrible to say i'm looking forward to the canyon once i'm looking forward to him getting <laughs> you know his story told i think more than anything um i loved loved canyon um back in the uh yeah in the WCW days and it is a invasion run as well but it's a you know a genuinely heartbreaking story as well so i think it'll be a it'll be very interesting yep. but yeah we can do a do a catch up on that we can talk rampage when are we recording tuesday everything we give it a bit of space between this app maybe monday depends 
uh, kind of good for either, really. We'll yeah. figure it out. I don't know. Is there a clamour from everyone? From like More spotlight. To, to let us know whether. Oh, whether it's people Monday, were sad we weren't Monday on Monday or Tuesday this week. People were gutted. Okay, they I were. Saw, I saw two tweets, but you know, I'll still take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to be missed. <laughs> Yeah. And the Thursday was fun. It's Feels nice like Thursday someone cares. Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Thursday. <laughs> we'll have Tuesday in Texas next week, then, won't we? That's it. Uh, oh, we've got to be careful going ahead to have my voices are wrestling tomorrow in people's podcast feeds. Don't want to. Uh, don't want to do that oh, yeah. every week. <laughs> yeah, it's going to oh, destroy our numbers. <laughs> I know. I was gutted last week. I'm glad I got the train down to them. It was the minute I arrived after spending three hours on a train, the Voices of Wrestling flagship dropped. I was like, for fuck's sake, lads. Like, come on. I feel like Rich Crates is playing. Well, uh, I've just seen Rich Crates away on holiday. Mm. He's in the woods somewhere in Oregon. Mm. Apparently. Oh, right. So, so that might not be one. Solo one. one. Well, we got Just plugging ourselves, thank then. you, Peter, aren't we? I know, well, yeah. Why not? We're up against Tom Martin as well. That's great, too. I love Tom Martin stuff. Um, yeah. We did. <laughs> That's the, that's the that is the nice thing about wrestling podcasts. We're all quite happy bringing it on. Oh, hey, listen to that. That one's hell. great. Listen to this one. Extreme Rules is on Sunday. Anyone know that? Oh, <laughs> Andrew, Andy's like... just said in the chat. <laughs> I did hear that. a rumor of that a couple of days ago. Demon, we'll go Monday. Yeah, We've got to get those takes out fresh. Roman Reigns. We'll do Monday. Do you know? I think I might be able to recite the card here. <laughs> off by that's what these daily updates have fucking done to me. <laughs> I you know what's I headlining? Said after, I think I said after the SummerSlam one that I was done. I'm not. I'm not watching. So <laughs> Fair. Don't, don't, don't expect. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm not. Understand. Got better things to do with my you, life mate. than watch WWE pay per views. Even uh, if we're, <laughs> even if I'm on a wrestling podcast. Hey, I had those matches on Raw. were good. I had a couple of good reviews for uh, whatever Big E and Roman. Oh, I here you go. Give you a good, give you a goodie bag and some free beer. <laughs> 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 I think it's with the love it. That, that Otis, you should have seen that five star match. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm anyone. Is that what you were saying? You were saying to me after that show, you went to the WWE one, but you were just going to let it play out. I think mm-hmm. they, they've turned the corner here, is what you said to me. I was like, I think they've got like, something let, what, with this Corbin. <laughs> long term storytelling long term storytelling <laughs> oh fucking hell I saw Becky Lynch said that in one of the interviews that I was uh, not invited to be part of where she was like oh you know we we do story we, we, you don't need your Canadian destroyers in your flips we tell st- you know it's about telling stories and I was like yeah fucking start telling some then <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. I, think the, I think that's the biggest lie going isn't it they haven't told a story in fucking years no mm. we tell stories yeah Shit stories stuff. like stories like Otis mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask JP if we should do an, a, a weekend show, but I think now that we know Extreme Rules is on Sunday, I think we know what we're doing uh, tomorrow night. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you've got better plans, look forward to that, everyone. Uh, plenty more uh, going on the Patreon. As you said earlier, there is uh, the uh, the small matter of our, uh, our film club uh, from earlier this week where we have uh, recorded uh, They Live. Um, also, me versus the Parker Parkers on the, uh, the main feed. I put that out on Monday for anybody who was missing us. But, yeah, plenty more where that come from. Anything else to plug? I think that's it. I think it's everything. Patreon.com forward slash grapple. There you go. Yeah. Download the grapple app. Get your ratings and that's it. Tell yeah. us what G1 matches to, to watch and what not to watch. VR guy. Don't all suddenly lie and make out some matches brilliant, by the way, so we end up watching it as some cruel fucking prank. Although fair play to you if you actually did organise yourselves to do that. <laughs> well then at least, at least you can be the judge of that then, JP. 
this this is going to be our new catchphrase i want to embed this (laughs) Uh, it's done but yeah as i said we'll uh, we'll do a dark side of the ring catch up next week I'll probably watch some of Extreme Rules. I bet you JP will as well. But Gluttons, catch up on the G1. Rampage, uh, which I'm sure will be the lead. Plenty to to talk about. And uh, based on some of those Rampage spoilers, I know exactly what theme I'll be using next week. But uh, stay tuned to uh, to find out Monday or Tuesday. We'll figure it out. We'll keep you on your toes. But yeah, we'll be back next week. That's it for us for another week. See you all. Bye. See ya. See ya. (laughs) 